Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's Frank Morano. everyone. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. This is our weekly experiment in role reversal. Just as the, the whole rest of the week, I am filled with questions. Questions for you. Questions for the guests. Questions for everybody. Questions for myself. And this is the one hour of the week where I try my hand at answering your questions at 800-848-9222 because since it's Friday, it is time for... The Other Side of Midnight proudly presents Ask Frank... Ask Frank Anything. Ask Frank Anything. Ask Frank Anything. Oh, yes, that's right. 800-848-9222 in the words of the great Roddy Piper... Just when you think you have all the answers, that's when I change the question. 800-848-9222. Questions on film, television, books, business, radio, the business of radio, cocktails. You need advice about something? Now's the time. Questions about my personal history. If you've ever wondered who my fourth grade teacher was, now's the time. Pro wrestling, obviously. Gambling, Atlantic City, local politics, restaurants, New York, the criminal justice system, aliens, the mob. Hypothetical questions, my personal preferences, relationships, baseball, the culture at large, religion, foreign policy, you name it, 800-848-9222. Now, to sweeten the pot, to encourage you to think outside of the box, come up with some fun questions so it's not all the same kind of boring political humdrum, is at the end of the hour, our illustrious committee of three, the triumvirate, of Molly, Matt Blaze, and Ryan will select, and I am completely, I'm like Pontius Pilate, I've completely washed my hands of this process. Uh, They will select the person who has asked the best question, the most creative question, the question that's most conducive to conversation, and they will award one lucky person a baseball cap. So if you have what it takes, ask away. 800-848-9222. 800-848-9222. Doesn't mean I'm going to be able to answer all your questions. Somebody asked a car question two weeks ago, and uh, I still, I, I was a deer caught in the headlights because I didn't know how to answer. Um, but we do want questions that spur conversation. If you ask a trivia question, eh, where's that going? You, I either know it or I don't know it. So, I mean, it's not really a great exercise in, in questioning. 800-848-WABC. Michael is in Manhattan. Hello, Michael. Okay. Now, don't be trivial, Frank. 
Um, my question is, and this is up your alley, and this can lead to conversation. Um, which president died from cirrhosis of the liver? I, I don't know. Was it Warren G. Harding? No. Okay. No, Who no, was it? No. This was uh, President Polk. There you have it. All right. Dan in Farmingdale, what's your question? Yeah, Frank, I was wondering if you were aware that Telly Savalas started his career in radio, and have you ever heard one of his old programs? Actually, I had no idea that that was the case. What what station was he on? You know, this is before my time. I'm in my mid-50s, but I saw a biography, and he knew he grew up in Astoria, and that's the right. biography. Yeah, no, I, I know he's his... from New York originally, but no, I, I had no idea that uh, yeah, that he they, began in, in his uh, his career in radio. I'm actually looking uh, looking this up now. It looks like he worked at uh, Voice of America, and then uh, yeah. he hosted a radio show called The Coffee House in New York City. Huh? I well, did I not know that. I knew you were an aficionado in all things radio, and I was just wondering if you ever heard that. Yeah. No, I, I am going to see if I can find one of these uh, because I am a big Telly Savalas fan and would love to. Thanks for pointing that out to me, Dan. 800-848-WABC. Chris is in Mount Vernon. Hello, Chris. Hey, Frank. Uh, I know you like uh, William Shatner. I was just wondering, have you ever, you never spoke about T.J. Hooker. You ever watch T.J. Hooker? Absolutely. I used to watch it every day uh, when it was on in syndication. Not only is Shatner great on that show as the kind of cop that you don't really see anymore, a cop that was from another era, even back in the late 80s, but uh, a cop that played by his own rules. But it was great to see people like Heather Locklear on that show. I love T.J. Oh, yeah. Hooker. Love it. Sorry? think about uh it makes me think about um like when, when you hear about the police shootings and all that i i kind of giggle and i say why don't they just throw the baton like pj hooker and make them trip on the you know make them trip and fall <laughs> down and everything <laughs> the kind of things that he could do on uh on television were incredible in fact there was a movie i don't know if you saw it with Robert De Niro and Eddie Murphy um, called Showtime, and Shatner has a cameo in it. He basically plays himself. They don't call him Shatner, and I think he's unnamed, but it's clearly that it's him. And he talks about um, being playing Hooker on television, and Robert De Niro is criticizing all of the policing techniques that uh, that T.J. Hooker used on that show. And Shatner basically had no explanation for why he did certain things that uh, normal cops don't do. But it was a great show. I loved it. I wish they would yeah, show yeah, that yeah. on right. television more. I never see it on television. I know. It's never on. It, it was a, to me, it was like a comedy, but they were so, it was a serious show. But it was like a comedy. Almost. Right. It was campy. It was, it was campy. I enjoyed it very much. 800-848-WABC. That's 800 848 ABC Tom is in the Bronx. Hello. Yes, uh, Frank. I'd like to say that uh, Mayor Adams today had a great chance to talk about Pennsylvania Station and how to streamline the situation by having one police force operate down there instead of having three different police forces. Or four. So what's your question, Tom? Well, the idea is he should have brought this up where they streamline Pennsylvania Station to anybody has to be removed so, from there. So what's your, what's, what's your question, Tom? Uh, well, the question is why why didn't he do it? Uh, I don't know. 
I don't know. See, that's a perfect example of something that's really not a question that's really conducive to conversation. Um, in my view, that's uh, it really goes nowhere, right? Why didn't he do it? I don't know. I, I can't speak to um, I can't speak to Eric Adams' motivation on on anything. Pete is in Piscataway. Hello, Pete. Hi, Frank. Uh, hypothetical baseball question. Give you three position type ball players. You pick one that you think would most fit you. Wait, 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 you I, I'm, I'm not sure. Wait, I don't know. I'm not sure I understand the premise of the question. Uh, I'm not... uh, uh, three baseball positions and which one kind of fits your personality and which, which you probably uh, uh, drive at. A Richie Sexton type outfielder or Jose Arebi type shortstop or A.J. Brzezinski type catcher. Which one would you think would fit your personality more? Um... That's a good question. Um, what was the first option? Richie Sexton type outfielder. You know, all back, not much of an average. Yeah, um, I don't know that I could pick. You know, I, I, um, I, I just, I don't know that I, I don't know that I have an answer there. I'm sorry, I, I don't know. I don't know that I could pick. Steve is in Manhattan. Hello, Steve. Hello. 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 Oh, they made you Steve, Peter. But okay. I can hear I'll that you're quick. Peter. I'll make you it quick. You got Ryan. We all get Ryan eventually. Frank, I'll make it quick, please. Yes, thank you. Uh, you know, for years we used to hear people say, we, want, we should discuss race more. And all of a sudden, this incident that occurred when Miss Goldberg introduced a topic that if talk show hosts were really in tune with the, with, with the nature of our problems they would have jumped on it and been able to have a panel that challenged both sides. Sure. Why are you guys afraid to have a versus on your radio station? Have a versus? In other words, pro and con. I, I'm not afraid. I mean, that's what you I try are, to do. You, you, well, not you. You do try. But yeah. the rest of these guys have, and not only the, the right, but the left. Oh, you, if you turn on BAI, it's all one way. You know, if it's you a turn good, on this station, it's, it's all a, one way. It's, a good, it's such a good question, I'll hang Peter. up and listen. Thank you, Peter. Um, I, it's such a good question, actually. And I think, uh, first of all, and I think the Cats Roundtable does that same thing. Uh, the uh, Cats at Night show, rather. The, the, you see the kind of different arguments that the guests get into. There was a very good discussion, uh, polite discussion, civic discussion, civil discussion, between um, David Patterson and Ed Cox yesterday. And then they add Jay Jacobs to the mix on gerrymandering. That's really the kind of conversation you don't hear anywhere in radio. But as to why a lot of talk shows, both on the left and the right, don't invite conversation from other sectors, I think because these media outlets, and I think this is very pronounced in cable news as well, with the exception of, uh, of certain shows, I think these media outlets have so gotten into the habit of preaching to the choir that they don't, they don't really have an interest in they don't think anybody on the other side of the aisle politically is listening, so they don't really have a desire to make any sort of programming to appeal to them. Now, we know that's not true. Some numbers came out yesterday that shows Tucker Carlson, who's uh, generally considered conservative on the Fox News channel, has more young Democrats watching him than watch Rachel Maddow. So there is opportunity for crossover. Um, and I think... If more and more hosts would invite that kind of respectful contrary, not just on issues of race, but every issue, I think it would make for more interesting radio. You know, uh, Dominic Carter and I were talking before the show, and uh, he was asking me, do I listen to so-and-so? I said, no. And he says, oh, I don't blame you for listening. You know, he, that person's not that good. And I said, uh, well, it's not that they're not good. It's I find that, that show predictable. 
You know, I find it to be the same show every day. So uh, I, why do I need to listen to it? I, I want to hear something that's different every day. That's what I like to try to do with this show. And uh, that's why, why I think the Cats at Night show is so good at 5 p.m. 800-848-WABC. John is in Brooklyn. Hello. Frank, I have a good question. Talking about radio, do you have any favorite radio talk show hosts on public radio? I'm thinking in particular of people like Leonard Lopate, and I haven't really uh, listened to him since he left WNYC and gone over to WBAI. Yeah. I was just curious. Uh, uh, thanks, John. Good question. I guess my favorite uh, on the local NPR station is uh, Brian Lear. I think he does a very good job covering local politics. I think he's a very skilled interviewer. Uh, you know, if he puts his opinion out there, I really can't tell much, most of the time what it is. seems like he tries to ask everybody challenging questions. I think he does a great job. So if I had to pick somebody, it uh, might be him. I do listen occasionally as I'm driving in to All Things Considered, and I think the host of that program uh, does a, a pretty good job as well. There are several other shows that I, I think do a good job, but um, – you know, Brian Lear is the one that uh, that stands out most in my brain. 800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-9222. Let me say hello to uh, Elliot in Westchester. Hello, Elliot. Oh, hi, Frank. You have a great show. Thank Here's you. my theory. I'm a retired uh, uh, intelligence officer in the U.S. Army, and my son is a screenwriter. I believe that the Biden-Putin fiasco that's going on is a pre-planned plan to let Biden run on rebuilding NATO because Trump dissolved NATO or he hurt NATO. That's why on the first day, he stopped the oil pipeline. So what's your and question, he lost Elliot? Eleven thousand jobs. He drove up the price of oil. It's over a hundred. All right, thank you, Elliot. Guy, we want questions. Ryan, do me a favor. When the callers call, make sure they have a question, not not a like a lengthy monologue that they try and masquerade as a question. We want questions. Doesn't matter what the question is about, but we want questions. Eight hundred eight four eight WABC. That's eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. If you have a question. Uh, let me say hello to the Irishman, who's actually banned as three of his other pseudonyms, but um, he, he is able to get through as the Irishman, giving a lot of uh, a lot of hope to people like Gary from Staten Island and E. Frank from Astoria, who the station has banned. Hello. Hello. Are you aware of the depth and breadth of Jeanine Pirro's wrongful convictions? No, I, I am not. I am aware that you have absolutely no life that you are obsessed with calling into radio talk shows to attack Janine Pirro, that um, that the fact that you spend all your time doing this, all it does is antagonize radio hosts and radio listeners that might generally be sympathetic to the cause of wrongful convictions. And the fact that you keep referring to Janine Pirro as an Arab tells me you're a racist as well. This obsession that you have with Janine Pirro is really sick and perverse and something that you need to examine with a psychologist or a psychiatrist. And the fact and I don't know what you think you're going to accomplish. You know, the the people that would call in when they were 13 years old after listening to Howard Stern, call into another radio program and say, Baba Booey, Baba Booey. They would then giggle to themselves because they'd got through and got one over on the people. I don't know what you get out of this. 
Uh, you could say, oh, Twisted Justice at CNN.org, Richard Blasberg, uh, Janine Pirro's a criminal and a fraud. You've made me root against the person that you're trying to free. I have no interest in learning about that guy's case now. As far as I'm concerned, just because of the way in which you antagonize radio commentators and their listeners, I hope that person is wrongfully convicted. I hate to say that, but that's the case. 800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-9222. Doug is in Manhattan. Hello, Doug. Good morning, Frank. If you were living during the time of the Continental Congress, in which colony or then state would you be living and what would you be doing? For example, might you be in the Massachusetts Bay Colony as an advisor to John Adams? Would you be in Pennsylvania as the editor of Poor Richard Almanac? Or would you be in New York encouraging the New York delegate to stop that staining from every vote as we saw in 1776? Well, I'd like to, I would still be in New York. And uh, look, I'd like to think I'd be in the New York state legislature, but sometimes you don't get to serve in you know the state legislature. And the um, legislature was the ones that had never given the New York delegation, Livingston and uh, and Hughes and the others, the instructions to vote on independence or anything else. So uh, I'd, I'd like to think that uh, I'd be in the state legislature in New York. I'd certainly be living in New York. So if you have questions Now's the time. I'll do my best to answer them. 800-848-WABC. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. Straight ahead. WABC. You're hearing things. You're hearing things. On 77 WABC. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Moreno. We are in the midst of a full-fledged... The Other Side of Midnight proudly presents Ask Frank... Ask Frank Anything. Ask Frank Anything. Ask Frank Anything. Answering your questions on any subject and for the people that that can't get through on the phones, uh, I will try and answer a few email questions as well. John Scandalios writes... Do you or have you ever asked anybody for their autograph? The answer is yes. Well, when I was a child, I would routinely uh, ask baseball players for their autograph. That was a big part of the whole experience of going to baseball games. And uh, when I was a young person, I would go, um, you know, my, my father and stepmother are still very much into getting their playbills signed by Broadway, you know, by their stars of Broadway shows. So I went to a couple of Broadway shows with them. And there were celebrities there that I got to sign uh, their playbill. One was Donald Trump. All right. I got Trump to sign a playbill. Uh, one was Mayor Dinkins. Uh, both of them were very, very nice. Uh, but the, I like to get books signed. Right. So I like to I have a big collection of signed books. And so the last person that I think I asked for an autograph was Dominic Carter. Actually, I bought his book, No Mama's Boy, and uh, I got him to sign it for me. So uh, I do routinely 
asked for autographs. 800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-WABC. Gary is in Inwood. Hello, Gary. Good morning to you, Frank. Uh, hypothetical. Uh, management decides to want to tweak the uh, format of your show. They're going to give you co-hosts, but you have the choice of who the co-host would be. Any ideas? Hmm. Um, so it would be the same co-host every day? Yeah, it's yeah, it's going to be your partner. He's going to be there. He or she is going to be next to you every day. Um, that's a good question. Look, um, there's a lot of people that would be good. Uh, look, uh, people like Curtis Lewa can co-host a show with anybody. Somebody like Mark Simone can co-host a show with anybody. But, um, you know, I'd want somebody that could comment on a lot of different things, somebody that I get along with, uh, somebody that um, – you know, I don't know if it could be anybody. That's a good question. Might be Lauren Conlon, actually. I think Lauren Conlon would be a very effective uh, co-host of this show or any other show. Okay, thank you, Frank. Thank you. Good question, though, Gary. 800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-9222. Greg is in New Jersey. Hello, Greg. Frank, two questions. Who, who do you think was a better detective, Columbo or Kojak? Ooh, that's a good question. You know, I, I'm gonna. I feel like Columbo had a better better percentage of cases solved, but um, in terms of detective methodology, I think you might have to go with Kojak. Even though I prefer Columbo, both as a character and the show, uh, I don't know. I, I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say Columbo because at some point, I think the record speaks for itself. I'm gonna go with Columbo. Uh, again, I, I would I waffled on that, but I would go with Colombo. Eight hundred eight four eight WABC. That's eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Joe is on Long Island. Hello, Joe. Hey, how are you? You definitely put that guy in his place. Oh, I mean, it, you know, it it will do nothing. He's going to call again next hour, and the following hour, and the following hour, and then he's going to call. Bernie and Sid, and then he's going to call, uh, you know, Greg Kelly, and then he's going to call Dominic Carter, then he's going to call Rita Cosby. Then uh, come Saturday, he'll call James Golden, he'll call Larry Kudlow, and then uh, Sunday, his Super Bowl, he'll get to call Janine Pirro. And uh, again, I don't know what kind of vicarious thrill he gets uh, from getting on the air and saying that, but uh, God bless him. Maybe it's uh, keeping him from doing something that's self-destructive. If that's the case, then it's all, all power to him. What's your question, though, Joe? So my question is, if uh, Adams uh, drops the ball, would you think Giuliani would run? Uh, Rudy, we, well, Rudy, uh, Rudy or Andrew Giuliani? Uh, Rudy. Uh, so you're talking four years from now? Yeah, I think that would be tough. Look, I'd love to see Rudy run. I don't think he would because I think uh, Rudy's at a point where his his own career as someone running for office is over and that he, in his own mind, views that as having passed the baton uh, to Andrew. Also, whereas Rudy, when he ran for office in New York City in 89 and 93, was a, in spite of what he says now, he was a very liberal Republican. He was pro-sanctuary city. He was pro-federal funding of abortion. He was um, he was very pro-gun control, very hostile uh, towards the NRA, very supportive of Mario Cuomo. And over the years, and I'm not suggesting anything surreptitious about this, but over the years, his views have evolved, and he, he's become increasingly more conservative, whereas the city has become increasingly more liberal. 
So I think that um, I don't think he's a great ideological match for where the city is today, given where the city's politics is and where his politics are. But um, and the other thing is Giuliani, in some respects, is a victim politically of his own success. You know, when Rudy came in well, a couple of years before Rudy came in, there were 2000 murders a year. Now, as bad as it is this year, we're not going to see, you know, I mean, I hope not. Uh, we won't see 600 murders this year. So things have gotten have been so good for so long, in part because of the policing policies that he put into place, that people forget how bad it could be. So I, I don't see even if Adams does everything wrong, even if his police commissioner does everything wrong, I don't see any way that we get back to where we were in, you know, 1991 in terms of the murder rate in this city. And until we get there, I don't see the city doing something drastic and bringing back somebody like uh, a Rudy Giuliani. 800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-9222. Let's say hello to Larry in Suffolk County. Hello, Larry. Good evening. How are you doing, Frank? Great. Thanks, Larry. Quick question. Sure. Why do you think President uh, Biden did not come to the police funerals, came to New York a day later? That's I a good question. That is I'm working now. I'm a patrol sergeant for 41 years. I've been to every major funeral in the last 41 years. I'm working tonight. Don't you think that was deliberate, that he didn't come and see, and see 50,000 cops? Well, cle- he couldn't face them? Clearly it was, right? I think part of it is uh, he might have been afraid at the reaction that he would have been getting. If they would have, say turn their back on him the way that uh, they did Bill de Blasio seven years ago after the murders of Ramos and Lou, then, uh, I mean, that's something that his uh, communications team never would have permitted. And especially Biden is somebody that historically has had a very good relations relationship with the police and with police unions. And, uh, you know, remember, he was the architect of the Biden crime bill, uh, which a lot of people were, you know, very enthusiastic about a lot of the work of that Biden crime bill was undone by the Donald Trump First Step Act. But I don't think that Biden would have liked it emotionally to have a display of uh, police hostility. And I don't think his crisis communications team would have allowed it. I think they thought that what happened yesterday, just going to uh, one police plaza and delivering the remarks supportive of the police were, um, you know, were probably a big, uh, a much better situation. Uh, In fact, this was a little bit of Joe Biden at that uh, police headquarters with Mayor Adams, with Governor Hochul, with Senator Schumer. We're we're not about defunding. We're about funding and providing the additional services you need beyond someone with a gun strapped to their shoulder, to to their hip. We need more social workers. We need more mental health workers. We need more people when you're called on these scenes and someone's about to jump off a roof, it's not just someone standing there with a, with a weapon. It's someone who also knows how to talk to people, talk them down. So there you go. That was a big part of Biden's message today. We're not about defunding the police. Certainly happy to see him say that. Elizabeth is in Nanuet. Hello, Elizabeth. Hi, Frank. Hi. Could you um, tell me things about other talk show hosts? Sure. Like, uh Sean Hannity, I remember, was married to this lovely lady, and then all of a sudden it sounds like he's not. Yeah, I mean, I never knew his wife, Jill. I never met her, but, um, you know, uh, yeah, they, I mean, look, they, they are, I think, divorced. They're at least separated. And he's dating uh, Ainsley Earhart from the Fox News Channel, from what I understand. 
Uh-huh. And the children, the, the, he has a boy and a girl, right? Uh, that's my so, understanding, yes. I've never met yeah, them, but so, that's my understanding. So where are they, with his wife? Or uh, that I have no idea. I, I haven't uh-huh. seen Sean since he worked here, since he was on this station. He's been off the station for a while. Actually, I ran into him at a, um, a book event for Geraldo maybe about uh, four years ago, but we didn't really have much of a conversation. I don't really know Hannity well at all. And Bill O'Reilly, he talks about his urchins. Uh, oh, sounds like a boy and a girl. So he must have been married. And yeah. What happened to him? Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Bill is pretty private about his whole, uh, you know, his relationship. So I have no idea what his uh, current relationship status is. Uh-huh. What happened that he had to leave the factor? Uh, well, remember, there was all those sexual harassment allegations and there was a settlement uh, and Fox mm-hmm. News ended their relationship with him. I hear. And then courteously, well, he has three children. Now, are they from one wife? No, uh, they're from, well, one wife and one domestic partner. His son, Anthony, who's an intern here at the radio station, a great young man I've known since he was born, uh, is How with is his third wife, uh, Mary, who is now married to Governor Patterson. And his other two right. children, Hunter and Carter, are with Melinda Katz, who he was never married to, but who's now the district attorney in Queens. Uh, but he has um, he he takes care of his kids, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. Believe me, that's why uh, Curtis has no money because uh, all of his money goes to taking care of his children and uh, and and so forth. So uh, absolutely, he takes good care of his kids. As critical as I might be of Curtis, I have to tell you, he is actually a very good father, and uh, I have seen all three of his sons with him, and they all adore him. Uh, they all do him. Curtis is actually a very good father. Karen is in Rockland County. Hello, Karen. Oh, hi. How are you? Good morning. Morning. I have two very quick questions. Uh, since you like Star Wars so much, do you have any idea why William Shatner never attended Leonard Nimoy's funeral? Yes. Uh, so uh, the the he writes about this in the book that he wrote uh, about Leonard Nimoy after Nimoy died. Um so uh, Shatner's two daughters did go uh, to Nimoy's mm-hmm. uh, to Nimoy's funeral. They had been estranged mm. for a few mm-hmm. years. They had not spoken in, uh, I think, about six or seven years prior to Nimoy's mm-hmm. passing, which was a shame because they had yeah. become the best of friends. Nimoy was best man at Shatner's uh, third wedding, and they had become oh. – they were not that good of friends when they were doing Star Trek. But they developed a, a, a very close friendship later on. But um, the, Shatner had a commitment to appear at a charity function. I believe it was for the American Red Cross. And so Shatner honored his commitment at the charity function. He asked for a moment of silence for Nimoy, spoke a little bit about Nimoy at that charity function, and then promptly um, boarded a flight back to California uh, to try and make the funeral, but he had gotten there. He got there just after it had ended. Uh, and just one other quick question: uh, Is he the governor, the governor, or one of the DAs in uh, California wants to disband death row in San Quentin? How do you feel about that? Well, look, I have mixed feelings about it. Uh, I I am not for uh, the the death penalty. However. Um, the you, the 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 law is the law, right? So in in with it, and thanks for the call, Karen. What they're doing in California, uh, they are, um, you know, they they're not killing anybody in California, right? So the California is going to repurpose this section and move condemned inmates to 
other prisons. So it's not as if um, it's not as if these people are all going all of a sudden going to be free. So um, in general, I do think that you have an obligation to enforce the law, um, whatever, if, whether you agree with it or not. I know in California they do they technically have the death penalty, but they haven't killed anybody in 16 years. So I, I think it's going to be a long time before a death penalty is carried out in California. Uh, I, I don't know about the situation at San Quentin specifically, but these inmates, it's not as if they're getting a je- get-out-of-jail-free card. They're going to other prisons. So I'd have to look at uh, that situation a bit more. But in general, uh, I think that you should have to enforce the law if you're elected as a DA, whether you agree with it or not. 800-848-WABC. Marilyn is in Manasquan. Hello. Uh, hello. Huh? All right. John is on Staten Island. Hello. Hi, Frank. Um, can you make a prediction on the um, the New York Mets opening lineup this season? Uh, uh, you know, I can't. I, I can't. I think I am uh, hopeful about the, the Mets season, but um, mainly because of uh, the pit, the pitching, right? I have to think that um, I have to think that uh, J.D. Davis is going to be there. I have to think that uh, Jeff McNeil is going to be there. I have to think that uh, Brandon Nimmo is uh, is going to be there. And uh, my guy Pete Alonzo at first base. I have to think that Lindor is going to be at shortstop. Beyond that, I really I really don't know. I really don't know. Right. Yeah. It's hard to predict because of that uh, lockout also. Yeah. And uh, exactly. Exactly. And, again, it looks like the National League, which I hate, is going to be saddled with this designated hitter rule. Uh, so somebody's right. going to be in the lineup as the DH. Who's that going to be? I don't know. My guess is that it would probably be Robinson Cano, but I, I, I couldn't say. 800-848-WABC. Uh, and let me say hello to Jason in Brooklyn. Hello. Hello, Ray. How are you? Good, Jason. Uh, good. So Eric Adams, uh, everyone's like favorite player, everyone's like favorite nemesis. Like, what's the deal here? Like, I, I, he's flip flop. He's like a Hillary. I, I don't get it. Uh, so I'm not really sure what your question is, and I, I'll be honest, I, I didn't get enough sleep to have the patience to try and figure out what it, what it was. So Rosemary is in New Jersey. Hello. Hey. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, just to lighten things up a little bit, Thank are goodness. you a cat person? Are you a cat person or a dog person? And what kind of dog would you have? Well, I am a dog person. I much prefer dogs, and uh, I grew up uh, with a German Shepherd named Max. I love that dog. And uh, when my parents got divorced, uh, my mom g- got rid of him. She p- put him up for adoption, and I really miss that dog. And I was much sadder, I'll be honest about losing that dog than I was my parents being divorced. So I really miss that dog. And I still remember, um, you know, what it was like as a four-year-old, five-year-old to have a nice big dog like that as a friend. And I, I, I really miss him. Uh, but so I'm a dog person. My mom has a uh, – I like really any dog that's not a super small dog. 
I don't care for these super small dogs that look like rats that have these barks that are so <laughs> high pitched and piercing that only other dogs can hear them. Uh, that you you can't even touch because they feel like they're they they, they look like uh, you know there's the size of a gerbil. I don't like those dogs. I like any moderate to large size dog, any kind of dog, uh, German Shepherd, yeah. Golden, you know, uh, you know, whatever, Golden Retriever. Uh, my mom has a Wheaton Terrier that I'm very close to. Oh, I like yeah, mutts, though. Nice I, I think if you can save um, a mutt from, uh, from you know, the animal shelter, that's the way to go. However, I don't currently have a dog. My wife, who also likes dogs, is a cat person. So when I began courting her, she was already living with three cats. So then when we moved in with one another, I also moved in with three cats. So I, I now live with three cats. And I never really considered myself a cat person, but uh, I have I have grown quite fond of at least two of them. I'm That's a big crazy. dog fan. How about you, Rosemary? Um, I love all animals. I have two cats, um, but I want to get a Labrador Retriever one day, a black lab. Well, thank you, Rosemary. That's a good question. Uh, Mike writes, you, hi, Frank, you're going to be stranded on an island for one month. You have no choice. You're going to be stranded with two regular callers, one male and one female, excluding me, of course. Who would you most choose to spend that time with? Mike, that's a good question. Uh, two regular callers. It's a much longer list of callers that I would not want to spend uh, that uh, that uh, time with for a month. You know, that's a tough one to choose. Um, I'll be honest, One, and this may surprise you, but one of the callers that I think I would pick as the male would be, would be um, Tom from the Bronx. Because Tom from the Bronx, really, I really admire. Not only does he ask out of the box questions, not only does he have the kind of listener loyalty that I really, really um, rely upon. A lot of other people, when they don't like what I'm doing on the show, they stop listening. Right? Tom from the Bronx is listening to this show all the time, and he's ready to contribute on any subject. Sometimes he's a little off the wall, but. Four or five years ago, Tom would always call the radio and and talk about his pet issue, which is airing old TV shows on the radio or airing award shows on the radio. And I happen to agree with him on that. And Tom did something that I've never seen any caller do. He actually took out advertising on the radio promoting his cause of airing old TV shows on the radio. And uh, anybody that supports this show the way that Tom has as an advertiser, and look, I don't know Tom's financial situation, but I don't think Tom is exactly flush with cash. I don't know of any other caller that's done that. And uh, that would probably be, would make, now, could I stand to be around Tom every day for a month? That's another question. Uh, I'm not sure. As far as the female caller, there's a lot of good female callers that we have, uh, a lot of ones that I like. Um, I don't want to pick one uh, because, you, you know, I'm not, you know who was really interesting, and I think she's called the show before, is that woman that d- did very well in the $1,000 Minute yesterday, Elisa. I don't know that uh, she, she would qualify as a regular caller. Ellen Metzger, who's a regular poster in the Facebook group, she would probably be right up there, but does she call enough to qualify as a regular caller? Uh, I'm not. I'm not sure. There's, um, uh, there's, uh, oh, uh, Donna in Huntington 
is great. She came to New Year's Eve Eve this year. She was a lot of fun. I got to meet her in in person for the first time. Might be Donna from Huntington. As far as regular callers go, I'm going to pick uh, Donna in Huntington uh, with an honorable mention towards Ellen. And uh, oh, you know, no, please. Okay, let me let me back up here. Um, although Nancy in Manhattan has called the show a couple of times. Is that enough to be qualified as a regular caller? I don't know. But if she does qualify as a regular caller, it would be her. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I'm going to p- pick the. And you know what? Uh, and I'm not just saying this because I see his name on the call board. See, this is, the one, this is a good question. It's one I'd like to think about a bit more. But um, somebody that always supports whatever cause that I'm involved with uh, is John Scandalios. Now, he doesn't usually call the show, but he's certainly a frequent Facebook poster. And Neil from Staten Island. Uh, Neil from Staten Island, who uh, we have a lot of the same interests. I don't think we'd ever get bored talking, right? And uh, he's certainly not somebody that I'm going to find annoying, even after a month, I don't think. So uh, those are going to be two of my top picks, I think. 800-848-WABC. Let me say hello to Frank in Bayside. Hello, Frank. Hey, Frank. Um, So my question to you is, as I am a cable news junkie, and used to love the position CNN had in the marketplace years ago. Uh, now that they've gotten rid of that dirtbag um, Zucker, what direction would you take CNN in if you had that head job? And then uh, maybe if you know any good candidates for that position that would technically be able to uh, possibly get hired. That's such a good question. The direction that I'd take it is – is covering news, right? And not being not not being strictly a one-sided opinion network. I would have an emphasis on news coverage, which is what CNN used to be known for. But I do think there's a place for opinion shows. I think the opinion shows should be more like what CNN used to be and genuinely represent both sides. Shows like uh, Crossfire with Bill Press and uh, Pat Buchanan. I think that was a great show. I'd love to have more shows where you have multiple points of view. Uh, They have one show that I think does that. They have Michael Smirconish on Saturdays. I'd put Michael Smirconish on every day. As far as who I would pick for that role, I would pick, and obviously I'm a little biased because of my fandom for talk radio, I would pick former WABC program director John Minnelli. John Minnelli has a nose for news and he has a uh, he just seems to know what would work. So I um, I would probably pick John Minnelli if it were if it were up to me, to be quite honest. Eight hundred eight four eight W.A.B.C. Gail is in Westchester. Hello, Gail. Good morning. Uh, you had mentioned Lauren Common. I'm very fond of her. Um, and I have a couple of questions about some of the other female uh, radio personalities as well. Why isn't Lauren Conlon on WABC anymore? Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't really know the details of her separation from uh, the radio station. I'll be honest, Gail. I, uh, I re- and if I did, I don't think I could say uh, what, you know, I, I am so focused on minding my own business and so grateful to have a job myself that uh, I, I am. I try to just stay in my lane and not get embroiled in anybody else's uh, issues. But uh, and yeah, you called yesterday as Clara, right? Why do you call under different names? No, that wasn't me. That wasn't you. Okay, all right. But uh, go ahead. What was your other question? And also, I was also very, very fond of Flipper. Mm, yeah, uh, she's a, a very close friend of mine to this day. She 
has now she is a guest booker for Newsmax and she's liking that job very much. She is making more money with that job uh, working from home, which she enjoys doing because it gives her an opportunity to spend time with her family. Uh, But she also has become a TikTok star. She has apparently hundreds of thousands of views on all these TikTok videos that she does. And it's mostly just her eating and these brands that send her this food to eat on camera, they pay her uh, to sponsor these TikTok videos, and then TikTok pays her as well. So she's making all sorts of money as a, a viral TikTok star. But I miss having her here. I wish uh, I, I really just because selfishly I miss working with her. She was a a, a hoot to be around and a, and a good friend. Eight hundred eight four eight WABC eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. We'll do one quick email question here, then we'll go back to calls. Uh, Tom writes, did you approve of Biden signing off on killing of the ISIS leader? If not, why not? Uh, Generally, what do you think of these operations? Do they make a difference in the war against terrorism? Such a good question. And I'd want to know more about the specifics of this operation. In general, I am not I, I am not in favor of going into a foreign sovereign country which has not invited us to use its airspace and killing people in general, right? That being said, I really do view, and people may think this is naive, I really do view ISIS as an existential threat to the United States. And I really do, um, whoever the president is, I applaud them going after ISIS. So, Look, I'd want to know more about the specifics of this of this uh, operation. And I know that uh, maybe my position is a little hypocritical because I've been uh, critical of varying presidents for bombing Syria or going into this place or that place without a proper without congressional approval or this or that. I wish Congress would actually go to the trouble of declaring war on ISIS. So that would put at least some of my hesitations to rest. But uh, I if I were the president, I would have done the same thing. I think if you have an opportunity to kill the leader of ISIS, whoever that leader is, whether it's Biden, Trump or Obama doing it or anybody else, I think you have to do it. Uh, Generally, what do you think um, of these operations? Do they make a difference in the war against terrorism? That is such a great question. I I think they do. I think they do. Uh, For the same reason that, and I know ISIS exists even without whoever the leader du jour is. But for the same reason that when Rudy Giuliani was the U.S. attorney, he went after the leaders of the mob. It's very much a PR victory. And it also does throw the organization, even though an organization like ISIS is a little bit more decentralized. It does throw an organization, whether it's the mob or ISIS, into a little bit of disarray. So I do. I would have made the same decision that Biden did in spite of my hesitation about going into a country without permission and just dropping all sorts of bombs. We'll continue with your questions in a minute. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. W-A-B-C. We are New York on New York's Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's Frank Morano.
Judy in disguise. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Moreno. You know, I keep wrestling with that question about what caller I'd most like on a uh, desert island. Uh, there's so many good callers uh, that I really do enjoy. John um, from Brooklyn, uh, John Kwok, for instance, he's a regular caller, and uh, he gives us a lot of great ideas for the show. In fact, he's booked a lot of great guests, uh, uh, given a lot of great suggestions for the show. He would be a lot of fun. Evelyn and Bayonne, same thing. Evelyn and Bayonne is a, a wonderful person, and I, I would be – I wish she worked here, actually. She has been very helpful in booking a lot of guests on this show. When we had Robert F. Kennedy Jr. on the show, it was due to Evelyn and Bayonne. And she's just a nice lady. She's not annoying. She's, uh, she's a nice lady. Um, so I had too many to list. I don't want to pick just one. Uh, let me say hello to Alex in, at Newark Airport. Hello, Alex. Hey, Frank. Nice to talk to you. Likewise. So my question is, um, what's the one thing – that you know your wife would like for you to change about yourself. Oh, uh, I, I don't. I, the the struggle there is picking just one. Um, well, I'm just trying to think of our most recent argument. It was she felt that I was mumbling when I was speaking with her, and that uh, she couldn't understand what I was saying. So she she has an issue that I speak too loudly on the telephone to others, but speak too quietly in person to her. So I think. In general, not just because of that, but uh, just because of difficulties with communications, I think in general uh, she wishes I would do a better job communicating with her, which is certainly ironic given that I am in a communications wow, wow, wow. field. That's true. Eric is in Manhattan. Hello, Eric. Hey, Frank. I had a question about Trump. I mean, I can ask that another time. but this, uh, Maybe I'm overtired. Okay. Do you think it's possible? Because I think you were interviewing Tom Swazi recently, and it, it, it just – Pops in my head, like, wait a second, that, that's Steve from Manhattan. Like, I'm getting an ear for his voice. And to hear me out, <laughs> it would explain why, like, if he's running for office, like, he, he would have all these phone, all these different phones to use. He'd have, like, a phone bank for, you know, campaign assistance and stuff like that, you know? <laughs> wait, so your question I, I mean, is, do I think Tom Swazi is possible. Steve from Manhattan? Well, you, you were interviewed him recently. Well, someone did there. And, like, yeah. I just heard his voice. I'm waiting. Yeah, I, I mean, I. <laughs> Eric, no way. Uh, I can promise you, uh, Tom Swazi is not Steve from Manhattan. I'm sure Steve is just flattered by the comparison, but uh, he is not. Uh, he's absolutely not Steve from Manhattan. 800-848-WABC. Uh, let me say hello to let me say hello to Bill in Huntington. Hello, Bill. Uh, which of Shakespeare's plays do you dislike the most? Which one do I dislike the most? Well, I haven't read them all. Um, I, I, I don't know. I think, um, I don't know. Which one do I dislike the most? I don't know. I, I mean, they're all fine. The one that, um, that, uh, I dislike the most. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Did, I don't know. Wor- the worst Shakespearean play. I probably haven't seen it. I, I don't know. Uh, I, I'm going to have to think about that one. I'm going to have to think about that one. Uh, Al is in Manhattan. Hello, Al. Yes, Frank. I'd like to say, would you put a hot sauce on a frankfurter? <laughs> hey, what's going on, Frank? How are you? If, if worse comes to worse, they get you back from the days when you were Frankie Five Euros. They say, all right, you've got to have your last meal. What would it be? Uh, last meal would absolutely, it would probably be a um, sumptuous Japanese uh, dish. I, I love uh, Japanese food, so I would have all sorts of different, um, uh, all sorts of different uh, 
uh, rolls and sushi and sashimi. I would go nuts in terms of a, a Japanese smorgasbord. Let's try and get in two more, and then we will allow our panel of judges to pick the best question. 800-848-9222. Let me say hello to Neil on Staten Island. Hello, Neil. Hey, Frank. I got a text from Mark Simone. He said he wants to put you on a desert island with the Sid Zaboron guy and the Janine uh, Piero guy. <laughs> I bet he does. I bet he does. <laughs> My question to you is, uh, I saw an article in the Post uh, the other day that Con Ed wants to raise electric rates by 11% and gas rates by 28% so they can upgrade the system. Now, with the infrastructure, with a trillion dollars that they're distributing, uh, should I feel like a, like a moron or a peon? that I'm being taken advantage of by these companies uh, and there's nobody really looking out for the rate payer? Well, uh, Neil, I think that's a great point. I can't speak to whether you should feel like a moron or, or a peon, but there, you're right. There is nobody in this state looking out for the ratepayers. In Illinois, there is. In San Diego, there is. In Oregon, there is. I have called, and I've had a lot of conversations with Ralph Nader about this issue, but I have called for the establishment of a citizen's utility board, non-governmental, no government funding, uh, to be a watchdog on behalf of the ratepayers. And um, that is something that I'd love to see whoever the next governor is make a part of their campaign. All right. Um, Without further ado... I don't want to squeeze in one more here because, uh, well, all right, if we can make it brief. Sally is in Alabama. Very briefly, Sally. It's Sally, but um, Sally. what is the most money you've ever won gambling? Uh, $3,500. $3,500 by accident. I told that story before. All right. Um, do we have a consensus on who the best caller or best question was? Anybody? Anyone? Yes. Go ahead. Uh, Alex. Alex from? Newark Airport. Alex from Newark Airport. Okay, call call back Alex and give Ryan your information. He had a question about the thing that Rachel would most change about me. And again, I'm sure there's a long list. And uh, call back and give uh, Ryan your information and we will send you something nice. Meantime, yesterday I saw an exchange between an administration official, a Biden administration official, and a reporter that I couldn't believe. I had to watch it four or five times, and I was just dumbfounded. How stupid do they think we we are? You're not going to believe this audio that I'm about to play for you. But this actually happened. This was reality. Until next hour, in the words of the great Bob Barker, help control the pet population, have your dog or cat, spay and neuter. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's Frank Morano. It's no secret. Good morrow, everyone. Happy Friday, TGIF. I try to keep it light on Fridays, try and keep it fun. But we we still can't ignore the fact that we are poised to go to war with Russia, the second biggest nuclear power in the whole country. And I wasn't going to do Russia today. I don't want to be known as the Russia show because I I like to talk about all sorts of things. I like to talk about aliens, like to talk, talk about food, relationships, radio, you name it. 
I was not going to talk about Russia today, but these the Biden administration has forced me to talk about Russia. I didn't want to do it. These guys have put me in a position where I have no choice. Now, uh, my interview with Kelly Vlahos from, I think it was Tuesday morning, I asked her, why are we expected to keep believing all of these bizarre Russia conspiracy theories? Now, I'm sure there are many others that I can't think of. Off the top of my head, we were asked to believe that Russia somehow secretly colluded with Donald Trump to deliver him the presidency, right? Uh, We were then asked to believe that Russia was, oh, no, 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 they didn't collude with Donald Trump. They were actually blackmailing Donald Trump, and that's why he was doing Russia's bidding. Both of those things turned out to be completely untrue. Then we're told that Russia actually was putting a bounty on the heads of American servicemen in Afghanistan and paying the Taliban for killing American servicemen. That turned out not to be true. Then we were told that the um, we're told that the Havana syndrome, these diplomats and others have feeling ill effects was supposedly the result of some Russian attack. That turned out not to be true. And I asked Kelly Vlahos, why do we keep believing all this stuff? I mean, without any evidence. And yet we do. And and the people peddling it expect us to. And then came an amazing exchange. Uh, an amazing exchange in which journalist Matt Lee from the Associated Press pressed the State Department spokesman Ned Price. Now, this is what you're about to hear. This is real journalism. This is real tough questioning. This is a man, Matt Lee, who thrives in the press conference format. And the press conference format is a tough format to thrive in. I've I've asked questions at press conferences. It's tough to get answers. And it's tough to get follow-up questions in. And it's very tough to make an administration official look this stupid. But you know what? As great a job as Matt Lee does and as great a job as he did in the exchange that you're about to hear, it's not Matt Lee that made Ned Price look stupid. It's Ned Price that made Ned Price look stupid. And it's the fact that once again, without any evidence, the Biden administration, but this happened in the Trump administration as well. It happened in the Obama administration. And please, it happened every day in the Bush administration. Once again... The Biden administration is asking us to believe a Russia boogeyman horror story without any evidence. Let me again give you the context. We were told not only by the not only by the Biden administration, but by the UK that Russia was trying to engineer a false flag attack as an excuse for going into Ukraine. Now, what does that mean? This is, but but this is basically, they were saying that Russia was going to have secret Russian agents within Ukraine do something hostile against Russia so that Russia would have an excuse to go into Ukraine. You know, like the theory that that, um, the United States blew up the World Trade Center itself so that we could go to war with everybody. You've heard that theory. I'm not embracing it, but you've heard that theory. 
that would be an example of a false flag attack, right? Supposedly, I'm, uh, I'm flying under the fa- flag of one banner, but that's not actually the, b- the banner that I'm flying under. As you listen to the next four minutes and 48 seconds, because I want you to hear every second of this, and I want you to listen closely, so turn up your radio, please. In fact, let me help you out there if you're listening on a smart speaker. Alexa, volume 11. Hey, Google, volume 11. I want you to listen carefully, and I want you to keep in mind that this is who the Biden administration, Secretary of State Tony Blinken, and the State Department have selected to be the spokesperson for the State Department. This is who they're choosing to be their ambassador to the world. And remember, what we've been told is that Russia is trying to engineer a false flag attack as an excuse to go into Ukraine. That's what we've been told. And Matt Lee asks a very simple question and a very good question, because most of the very good questions are very simple ones. He just asks a question, hey, excuse me, and it's the question I've been asking on Twitter, which nobody's bothered responding to. I'm now convinced that Twitter is suppressing my tweets, especially as it relates to, to Russia, because they, they are worried that I'm a Russian troll or something. I don't know. But I asked the question. I got no answer. Matt Lee simply asked the question, what is the evidence that Russia is planning to stage a false flag attack? Listen to this exchange between State Department spokesman Ned Rice and Associated Press journalist Matt Lee. What action are you talking about? One, the actions I've just pointed to. Uh, the what fact, action? What? The, the fact that Russia continues to engage uh, in disinformation well, uh, campaigns. No, you've made an allegation that they might do that. Have they actually done it? Uh, what we know, Matt, is what, we, what I have just said, that they have engaged in this activity. Well, uh, in this planning well, activity, but, but let me let me because because obviously this is not this is not the first time we've made uh, these reports public. You'll remember that just a few well, weeks I, ago. I'm sorry, you, made, made, made what report public? If you let me finish, I will okay. tell you what report we made okay. public. Uh, we told you a few weeks ago that we have information indicating Russia also has already prepositioned a group of operatives to conduct a false flag operation in eastern Ukraine. So that, Matt, to your question, is an action that Russia has already taken. It's an action that you say that they have taken, but you have shown no evidence to to confirm that. And I'm going to get to the next question here, which is, what is the evidence that they – I mean, this is like crisis actors, really. This is like Alex Jones territory you're getting into now. Um, what evidence do you have to support the idea that there is some propaganda film in in, in the making? Matt, this is derived uh, from information known to the U.S. government, intelligence information that we have declassified. I think you well, know. Okay, well, where, where is it? Where, where is this information? Simple it is question. intelligence information that we have declassified. Well, where is it? Where is the declassified information? I just delivered it. No, no you didn't. No, you made a series of allegations and would statements. You, would you like us to print it out the topper? Because you will see a transcript of this briefing that you can print out for that's, yourself. That's not evidence. What that's a that's smart you saying it. That's not evidence. I'm sorry. What would you like, Matt? I, I would like to see some proof that you that 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 that, that you can show that that 
Matt, you have that, been that, that shows you, that 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 you, shows that the Russians are doing this. Ned, I've been doing this for. A I long know that time. was my point. As, you you as have you, know. you you have been doing this for quite a while. You know I that have. when we declassify intelligence That's information, right. and I we do so in, in a means in we do and so I, and, we do so with an eye to that, protecting that sources and methods. Is not going to fall. I, I remember a lot of things. So where, where where is the declassified information other than you coming out here and saying? Matt, I'm sorry you don't like the format, uh, but we have declassified. It's not the format; it's the content. I'm sorry you don't like the content. I'm sorry it's you. I'm sorry like you are doubting the information that is in the possession of the U.S. government. No, I, I, what I'm telling you is that this is information that's available to us. We are making it available to you uh, in order uh, for a couple reasons. One is to attempt to deter the Russians from going ahead with this activity. Two, in the event we're not able to do that, in the event the Russians do go ahead with this, to make it clear as day, to lay bare the fact that this has always been an attempt on the part of the Russian Federation to fabricate a pretext. Yeah, but you don't have any any evidence to back it up other than what you're saying. It's like you're saying, we think we, we, we have information that the Russians may do this. But you won't tell us what the information well, is. That, and then when, when, that, when you're that, asked, that, that is the idea behind when, deterrence, Matt. When, that is the idea behind asked, deterrence. And when it is asked, our hope that the Russians don't go forward what the information with this. Is, you say, I just gave it to you. But that, that's not what you you seem not to not understand. You seem not to no, understand no, no, the man, idea of deterrence. We are trying to deter the Russians from moving forward with this type of activity. That is why we're making it public today. If the Russians don't go forward with this, that is not. Uh, ipso facto, an indication that they never had plans to do so. Uh, but then it's unprovable. <laughs> My God, what is the evidence that you have? What that is the evidence that, that the Russians are even planning this? Matt, you, I mean, I'm not saying that they're not, but you just come out and say this and expect us just to, to to believe it without you showing a shred of evidence that it's actually true. Other than when I ask, or when anyone else asks, what's the information? You said, well, I just gave it to you, which was just you making a statement. Matt, you said yourself, you've been in this business for quite a long time. You know that when we make information, uh, intelligence information public, we do so uh, in, a, in a way that protects sensitive sources and methods. You also know that we do so, we declassify information only when we're confident in that information. Yeah, you if you doubt, if you doubt the, the credibility of the U.S. government, of the British government, uh, of other governments, and want to uh, you know, find uh, solace in information that uh, the Russians solace? are putting out. Uh, that is uh, <laughs> that is for to, you to do. I'm not asking what, what the Russian government is putting out. And, and what, what is it supposed to be? I was absolutely dumbfounded. I had to watch that multiple times because I couldn't believe my eyes. One, I can't believe that there are still doggedly good journalists like Matt Lee still serving in the White House press, press corps. Two. I couldn't believe that Ned Price was giving that answer with a straight face. Hey, uh, let me tell you something. Hey, I have evidence that my neighbor is going to commit an attempted murder. You know, my neighbor, Deborah, nice lady. Um, Her son lives across the street from her. She's lived uh, in my neighborhood for 50 years. She's going to commit a murder. Well, what's the evidence that you have that she's going to commit a murder? I just gave you the evidence. Well, no, no, no. Well, what is the evidence? I just told you. Well, well. No, no, no. Well, you didn't just tell me. You told me there's a plan for her to commit a murder. No, 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 no. I just told you. It's been declassified. I gave you that information. I felt like I was watching an Abbott and Costello routine. That was insulting to my intelligence. If that guy still has a job tomorrow, uh, uh, Ned Price, if he is still getting paid 
by the taxpayers tomorrow to provide information to the public, then that tells you everything that you need to know about the Biden administration. Does anybody remember the war in Iraq where we were told by every every official that there was weapons of mass destruction and then lo and behold, there was no weapons of mass destruction and we went to war for totally fictitious or totally mistaken reasons based on faulty intelligence and now we're asked to believe the same intelligence community? Give me a break. So these officials won't release any direct evidence of this Russian quote-unquote plan or how they learned it. They won't even tell us how they learned it. They're saying essentially that to do so would compromise their sources or the methods. Now, the manipulation of air quotes, I'm sorry we're not on TV for this one thing, the manipulation of air quotes intelligence is so frequent in this country, especially with respect to Russia, that refusal to provide any evidence... Now, I'm not talking about a smoking gun. I'm saying any evidence. The refusal to provide any evidence should be grounds for dismissal because this is Russia collusion all over again. This is uh, Russian bounties all over again. This is Havana syndrome all over again. This is Russian blackmail all over again. This is nonsense. This is absolute nonsense. And these U.S. government officials asserting without any evidence the existence of a plan to stage a false flag uh, a attack featuring quote-unquote crisis actors um, is essentially the exact ingredients of what in any other context would be automatically discounted and disqualified as a conspiracy theory. That's why Matt Lee is right there when he says this is Alex Jones' territory. No evidence. You're saying, well, Russia's planning. They're going to attack, but they're going to make it look like they were attacked first. Well, any evidence? No. No. Um, And then shame on this Ned Price. Um, And the only reason we're not giving him a formal denunciation is because I wanted to spend more than a minute talking about it. Ned Price then sneeringly called Matt Lee, who's been an American journalist serving the Associated Press for years, a Russian propagandist. Lee consistently asks tough questions, substantive questions of State Department spokespeople Uh, in Republican administrations and Democratic administrations. And he doesn't back down when they start foaming at the mouth. One of the he's one of the few journalists in Washington who actually excels in this press conference format. It was great to see. Great job, Matt Lee, for pressing price to present evidence of these outlandish claims, which in the process revealed that price was refusing to prevent any evidence beyond his say-so. Well, excuse me, Ned Price, I don't believe you. Um, Let me be very clear. I don't believe anything you say. 800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-9222. That was the most amazing thing I heard yesterday. The close second for the most amazing thing that I heard yesterday. If you want to react to that, give give me a call, and you can disagree, and I'll be quiet, and I'm not going to rant. You could talk. And uh, this is the last... This is the last overtly political thing I'm going to say for the day because, look, it's Friday. We're going to have some fun, do some other things other than, you know, rant about politics. But this, I, I was just dumbfounded at this as well. On any other day, this would have been the most absurd thing that I heard today. This is Speaker Nancy Pelosi. 
you know, today the Winter Olympics is starting. And Nancy Pelosi spoke. She gave a message in her remarks yesterday to the athletes, the American athletes that are going to be participating in the Winter Olympics in where? China. It was something that the uh, person playing the $1,000 minute has uh, w- had difficulty remembering. Now, it's bad enough that the, the Olympics are being held in China this year. After what China has done to their own people and to the world, and I'm not just talking about COVID, human rights abuses, everything else, it's bad enough that we're rewarding China with the Olympics. In my view, that should be a, a prize for countries that actually do positive things for the international community, not countries that do whatever they can to deceive the world about a virus which began in their in their country and then make up conspiracy theories that it was actually an American CIA plot. That's bad enough. Then I am just just sick that the International Olympic Committee, which has supposedly always stood as being committed to human rights, has said nothing ahead of these Beijing Olympics, declining to take a stand on the genocide in Xinjiang and insisting that their only mission is to run these games successfully. By remaining silent, the International Olympic Committee, and continuing to back Beijing, the IOC is deflecting pressure from the international community onto Olympic sponsors and onto athletes themselves. Because now, since the IOC won't take a stand, now every athlete from every country other than China is asked about this. And that's an unfair position for the sponsors. It's an unfair position for the athletes themselves. And, um, okay, that's the IOC. But then the top legislative official in this country actually had this message for American Athletes. I would say to our athletes, you're there to compete. Do not risk incurring the anger of the Chinese government because they are ruthless. I know there is a temptation on the part of some to speak out while they are there. I respect that. But I also worry about what the Chinese government might do to their reputations to them families. So essentially what the speaker is saying there is she's telling American athletes to be afraid of the Chinese Communist Party and not speak out against their human rights abuses. Essentially, she's saying, shut up and dribble or whatever sport you're playing. Shut up and ski. Now, let me say, if any American athlete goes to China and speaks out against genocide and speaks out against the forced abortions that took place under the one-child policy, that speaks out against a one-party dictatorship, that speaks out against the uh, lack of freedom of expression and freedom of religion. I admire that athlete, and those athletes are going to get commendations from me. Now, what does a commendation amount to? It doesn't amount to a hill of beans in this crazy world. That being said, I was I was just dumbfounded that Nancy Pelosi was actually delivering that message to Americans. Americans. I wish that she would say the same thing 
um, when people are uh, trampling on the American flag, quite literally. I wish she would say the same thing when people are uh, spray painting all cops are bastards. I wish she, she, she would say the same thing uh, at people that are chanting, uh, how do you spell racist NYPD? No, that, that doesn't get any sort of rebuke from her. The people that she's warning not to say anything are American athletes. And again, I recognize that I'm going to give her the benefit of the doubt here. I recognize that she doesn't want these athletes to wind up in a dungeon somewhere and locked up and have the Chinese government throw away the key because she knows how ruthless the Chinese government is. But that shouldn't be the message. That shouldn't be the message. The message from every American official, Democrat, Republican, Independent, whatever, should be, you know, America believes in human rights. Americans be- America believes in freedom. And any American athlete that has the audacity, sort of like Jesse Owens did to Nazi Germany when the the Olympics were held in Nazi Germany, any American athlete that goes to China and in the belly of the beast loudly proclaims their love of freedom, their love of human rights, and rebukes the Chinese Communist Party for repeatedly trampling on human rights, that's somebody that not only do I admire, but I will work with the President Biden and with President Biden and anyone else I have to to make sure that American athlete is protected and brought home safely to the United States. If Nancy Pelosi would have said that, she would have had no bigger cheerleader than me today. But instead, she tells the American athletes, be afraid, be very afraid because those Chinese communists, they don't mess around. So shut up and, and ski. I was I thought that was embarrassing. Let, those are the last political comments I will make for a while. Although we have some denunciations that are semi political. Uh, 800-848-9222. 800-848 WABC. There are two open lines. If you want to jump on board, now's the time. Frederick is in Manhattan. Hello, Frederick. Oh, hello. Yes. I just wanted to say I don't have a question, but I was just listening to your show. You are absolutely right to doubt what the U.S. government is saying uh, regarding this uh, supposed false flag. There's absolutely no reason to believe what they're saying. We heard the story about weapons of mass destruction in Iraq, total lies, the massive war, millions of people killed. We heard the story about Assad using chemical weapons against his own people, total lie. The people who are making false flags, uh, is the U.S. government is an expert at making false flags. Israel is an expert at making false flags. And now they're accusing Russia with absolutely no evidence of staging a false flag. And you are absolutely right to question them and to doubt the story. Because I'm old enough to know, I've seen it all before, and these people, they, they're up to no good. They're the ones that are planning a war against Russia. They're the ones that are trying to make up lies in order to have a a combative war with Russia. And you are absolutely right to to doubt what they are saying. Thank you, Frederick. 800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-9222. Bill is in New Jersey. Hello, Bill. Yeah, hi. How you doing, Frank? I'm hanging in there. I appreciate it. Um, Listen, you know, actually somebody brought up something that I was going to say, but... I had two things to say. So I was wondering, what do you think about the fact that Nancy Pelosi, who's pretty much a career politician, is worth one hundred and twenty million dollars? Well, I don't think I don't think that's an accurate number. I think, um, you know, the number is closer to about 
fifty million dollars, uh, but that's still a lot of money. But I mean, look, her husband, Paul Pelosi, um, owns and operates a huge investment firm. So I mean, her wealth is her husband's wealth. So look, I, I think maybe that uh, it makes her a little less able to relate to regular people. But there's n- no crime against earning a lot of money, okay, or marrying into a lot of money, okay. So uh, I, I have a lot of issues with Nancy Pelosi, obviously, but. Um, the fact that she happens to be married to a wealthy guy and share the same bank account, that's not high up on my list of uh, things to worry about. Uh, uh, Charlie's calling from the East Village. Is this the inimitable Charlie Finch? Hi, Frank. Congratulations Hello. on the kid. Thank and you. To Rachel. Uh, Charlie, before clip. your comment, before your comment, Charlie, a lot of people have been asking where you've been hiding. How come you haven't been calling in? Any Anything you want to update them on? Well, I was under assignment with you and Joe Piscopo, as you know, from Dr. Rock Positano for eight years, and uh, I fulfilled my assignment. But because you have this great uh, Ned Price uh, clip, I'd like to comment, Please sir. Do. Yes. What Ned Price is doing is what Senator Joseph McCarthy did, Frank. He would sit in those hearings in the witch hunts against the supposed Reds, and as the Venona Papers told told us, there really was a Soviet disinformation campaign. The problem is that Joe McCarthy never went near an actual uh, Russian spy. And he would hold up these papers and go, I have evidence that there are 200 communists in the State Department. Well, here we have my fellow Democrats, and I'm a big Trump supporter, doing the same thing. By pressing these lies about Russia, by sucking up to China, they're empowering these dictatorships. They're like Neville Chamberlain. As I told you off air yesterday, Frank, I think there's a big opportunity for the great John Katsimatidis here with his excellent uh, connections to the patriarchs in the Orthodox Church. Vladimir Putin, Frank, as you know, has revived the Orthodox Church in Russia. The Ukrainians, and I live in a neighborhood for 44 years in the East Village, which is loaded with Ukrainians from the Uniate Church. Those are Roman Catholics who practice the orthodox way of doing the Christian religion. Here's an opportunity for John Katsimatidis, with your assistance and this great station, WABC, to be a peacemaker, to use these connections, in my view, to reach out to these patriarchs and stand down and do what the U.S. government is not doing and NATO is not doing and bring peace to the breadbasket of Russia, Ukraine. Thank you. Thank you, Charlie. Have a good weekend. So uh, on the Russian issue, and I don't really consider this political, but it is a little bit heavy for a Friday. I know Uh, those of you that don't like the heavy stuff, believe me, I have a lot of lighthearted stuff coming up. These revelations, they they claim revelations by the UK and the US about the threat of a Russian invasion of Ukraine are ruining Moscow's plans. That's the word from the deputy defense minister. That came as um, they accused uh, Russia of a fake video attack plot to frame Ukrainian forces and force an excuse to invade. Uh, The only way that that would make any sense is if Russia were planning to secretly invade Ukraine and hoping that nobody would notice that those troops were rolling across the border. It's just it's just idiotic. It's just idiotic, in my opinion. 800-848-WABC. Uh, have I not taken a break yet? Matt, do you know? Have I not taken a break yet? 
Okay, well, we should take a break. All right, 800-848-9222. I'm sorry, I get a little worked up. But uh, we will take your calls in mere moments. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano, 77 WABC. There'll be a lot of opportunity for ice breaking today. They're expecting a big ice storm. So be careful as you're driving around today. I am hoping that um, we can get out of here quickly. We have our weekly meeting on Friday. Um, but I'm hoping it's one of the shorter ones so that we can get home and um, I can get to hopefully relieve my wife so she can get some sleep and uh, that we can stay ahead of the weather. We are having that meeting today, Matt, as far as you're aware, right? As far as I know, yes. As far as you're aware. Okay. Now, does Ryan have to stay for those meetings? I noticed last one he was not present for. Uh, I don't know if he's required to. Well, I think he's welcome. I mean. I feel like it's sort of, you know, win-win because if he has to stay, then why shouldn't he stay when the rest of us have to stay? But True. But if he's not there, then the rest of us can all talk about him and not feel guilty (laughs) about, you know, him doing things like making Peter Steve. Because that's what we Um, love to do. Exactly. Right. Well, I may. I believe me. I got a list now. There, uh, you remember a year or so ago, those mysterious monoliths that were appearing in different parts of the country, different parts of the world, and people were speculating about what these were. It looked like a sort of, uh, I don't know, ancient uh, 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 sculptures or something, or maybe alien in nature, whatever. It turned out it wasn't. It was uh, some some guerrilla artists that were putting this up. Well, now. A monolith has appeared near Sunset Point in Arizona. I've linked to the photo and the article on my Facebook page at facebook.com slash Fan. But another mysterious monolith has made an appearance, this time north of the Phoenix area near Sunset Point. And they're saying, this article reads, uh, it's from an NBC local NBC affiliate, 2022 is already giving us 2020 vibes and it all started with a, an email, and it talks about this monolith next to the I-17 mysterious Christmas tree. And it's uh, really interesting. So the world was captivated by these a year and a half ago for months as people were trying to figure out what the story was. Now it appears these these objects, these monoliths, are making a comeback. So, And we have the pictures. It's there. So it doesn't look like it's otherworldly. Other or some sort of alien technology at this point, because there was a lot of speculation that this could have been some sort of alien messaging device. It looks like it just appeared to be some sort of, um, you know, I don't know, the same sort of, I don't want to call it a prank, but the same sort of guerrilla art that these other monoliths were. But if you want to look at it, uh, just go to my Facebook page. I've linked to it, facebook.com slash Fan. Speaking of things appearing, have you seen what's happening here in New York? A mysterious gold cube worth an estimated $11.7 million 
appeared in Central Park on Wednesday morning, accompanied by its very own security detail. This cube is 24 karat gold, 186 kilograms of pure 24 karat gold, rolled out in front of uh, a snowy band shell at 5 a.m. in the morning, surrounded by photographers and NYPD officers. And it's really cool. I, I want to try and see this thing. Maybe that's what I'll do between 5 a.m. and our meeting at 7 a.m. I'll go over to Central Central Park and, and see this thing. But this this hollow gold block is the creation of 43-year-old German artist Nicholas Costello, who's been calling it the Costello Cube. This 410-pound work is not for sale, but it's being used as publicity for the launch of accompanying cryptocurrency, the Costello coin. See, we've got to come up with a publicity stunt like this. We really do. Um, we need a monolith or a gold gold cube or something. You know what I want to do? Meryl, we have a great listener, Meryl Rosner. She came to New Year's Eve last year as well. She is a brilliant artist. She designed sort of the um, New Year's Eve Eve invitations this year. And I'm going to post some New Year's Eve Eve photos on my Facebook page today at facebook.com slash Moreno fan. But um, we need to work with her on some sort of guerrilla art that can promote this show uh, the the other side of midnight and see about uh, doing something like that. So I don't know. There was a brilliant PR um, maven in the 50s or 60s, and, and his name escapes me. I'll look it up and I'll tell you. And what he did is he was working for a radio station, 1010 Wins at the time. And I think that they were a rock and roll station at the time. I don't think they were yet a news station. And what he did was he created a fake Mortimer Matz, I think. Mortimer Matz. That was his name. He created a fake artifact with a hieroglyphic on it, and he left it in a taxi cab, and they were able to decipher what was on this hieroglyphic. And when they interpreted it, when they deciphered the hieroglyphic, it said, everybody's mummy, everybody's mummy listens to 1010 wins. Now, that's pretty brilliant. And it was very effective when it comes to publicity. See, we need something like that. Uh, I'm going to work with Merrill on that. Merrill and Molly, we'll see if we can't come up with something. Or, you know what? You know what the ultimate joke would be? If this were a real, one of the more lighthearted Twilight Zone episodes? If the aliens were to drop a monolith or a gold cube advertising our show, and then it's sort of their joke on the world. Here I am saying, no, it's aliens, it's aliens. And everyone says, no, it's a publicity stunt, it's a publicity stunt. Well, look, radio waves do go out into space. So if there are aliens listening to this broadcast, do me a solid. Put up a, put up a, a promotional graphic or a, a promotional artifact of some sort. Um, 800-848-WABC. By the way, if you go on to Facebook, you can join our Facebook group. All you have to do is search 
Morano Radio fans and haters. That's M-O-R-A-N-O, Radio fans and haters. And we, you right now there is a big debate going on over there about whether or not uh, the song that we usually play after our last break is good or not. That's the Andy B song, The Other Side of Midnight. I like it. And you know what? Andy B went to the time and the effort and the trouble to come up with a song. And I think it sounds pretty good. Um, I didn't see anybody else coming up with a song, so we'll keep playing it until one of you comes up with a song, or we get a better musician to come up with a song. We're gonna we're gonna stick we're gonna stick along. We're gonna stay with it. All right, eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Let me say hello to Tom in Flushing. Hello, Tom. Hey, Frankie. How are you? Thank you for taking my call. Um, I not to try to uh, comment about any of those your topic you're talking about. Um, I just have a just want to um, voice my opinion with one of your talk show hosts, your, the guy that always criticizes about you uh, when he's on the show, um, Curtis Leroy. I have called him a couple of times, and somehow he didn't let me go on. But I just kind of find unfair because um, he would let other listen, listeners to let them or all the airtime to share their opinion, talk about what's in their mind. And I try to do the same and share what's in my mind. But yet, I don't seem sound to be welcome. Uh, I'm not trying to be wanting to show or be uh, anyone to be famous. So I just uh, had the cut to call in to. Right. Well, I'm sorry opinion. that Curtis won't uh, take your call, Tom. But uh, yeah. I speak to Curtis pretty regularly. Is there anything you'd yeah. like me to point? Uh, anything you want me to uh, uh, to uh, pass on to him? Well, the thing is that I uh, I mentioned that the, well, I didn't tell your screen the matter that I am. Um, uh, vision impaired, legally blind, and also I'm an Asian American, and I'm an immigrant from America, from Hong Kong. But once I mentioned the word vision impaired, legally blind, then Curly said, "Oh, doing the whole dance. Oh, no, no. oh, I, we lose the frequency. We can't. We don't hear Tom anymore. I don't know what happened." But that's that's, uh, that's his dance, I and mean, I don't. Right, so you would like me to register your your displeasure with Curtis for his treatment of your being Asian and being legally blind. And being that I'm um, just uh, um, one of the small uh, guy in this big city and trying to and struggling to be to survive, and want to have a piece of the mountain pie sure, as well. Sure. And what I we, I just share with him. So I want to voice my opinion. I want to share with him. I used to live in Best Eye, and we got mug. And I was I, I, I wish I knew Curtis back then to come. Hey, uh, Curtis, come to my neighborhood and do some patrolling. And we all these Asian, not or well, just not only me, but Asian itself, we get mug every night coming home from work. Well, uh, yeah, we, Tom, I will, I will pass that on to to Curtis. Yeah, I don't right. want to make the whole show about Curtis, uh, who, by the way, is uh, uh, he's on television right now. It's funny when I mentioned Melinda Katz before, they she was on New York One, and I didn't think I didn't see her before I mentioned her, but I see her and she's on New York One. Then I mentioned Curtis, and he's on one of the TV screens right now. He's on a, a, a panel show with uh, Pam Bondi, the former Florida Attorney General. I don't know if I were Curtis's wife Nancy, I wouldn't let him around Pam Bondi, especially now that wow. Curtis has a new set of teeth. He doesn't have that gap, uh, that missing front tooth anymore. He actually looks like uh, you know, like a respectable uh, human being again. He, Pam Bondi is single now. I hear Nancy. I wouldn't let I wouldn't let Curtis around Pam Bondi. You know he has a way with women. Uh, so one listener writes about the uh, callers that I named uh, uh, to go to a desert island with. 
Love Tom, good choice, my favorite caller. My picks, Neil from Staten Island, good conversationalist and good sense of humor. Perhaps Steve from Manhattan, maybe for a day. Well, that's not the question. I could handle Steve from Manhattan for a day. I don't, maybe. I couldn't handle him for two days, let alone, you know, two weeks or a month. He said he would keep the hostile natives away for sure. He said, Carol from New Jersey, question mark. Maybe New Jer- maybe Joe Jackson would drop in, perhaps play some tunes. Uh, maybe. Carol from New Jersey does, uh, she certainly has a lot to offer. And she looks like uh, Governor Kathy Hochul, who I think is a very attractive woman, I must say. Uh, speaking of Carol from New Jersey, she is uh, on the line right now. Hello, Carol. Oh, Frank, you're so complimentary. Thank you. Well, well you I- know I know a lot about a lot of things. But I was calling about the Olympics. The athletes are going there to compete. They are not going to discuss politics whatsoever because they're intelligent enough not to do so, in my opinion. They're not going to do anything to raise the ire of the Chinese. They're going there to compete so they can win medals. Well, of course you're right, Carol, and thank you for the call. But I don't think, look, because the International Olympic Committee is a bunch of lily-livered hacks with no spine, they have punted and they have put the athletes and the sponsors in a position where all of them are going to be asked about China's atrocities and human rights abuses. They're going to be asked about it. So what? It, let's say you're – what are some winter sports? Uh, I, I, I know nothing about the Winter Olympics. I asked my wife if she was going to watch the Olympics. She said she didn't care for winter sports. So I imagine where it I was go. on today. Yeah. Already. So what, what do you have? You I was have, watching curling. Curling. I like curling. Because like it's like shuffleboard on yeah. ice. Curling is it does look fun. I think I would be be decent at that. So let's say you're a curler. Let's say you're an Olympic curler. Um, where which I think they find the best curlers by they find whoever is the best person at sweeping in every sweeping and yelling. That's right. <laughs> so. Let's say you're an Olympic curler, and then you go, you get off the plane from from Beijing, and people are shouting you, "Hey, Joe Curler, Mrs. Curler, Mrs. Curler, hey, what do you think of uh, what China's doing in uh, Xinjiang?" So, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to say, "Oh, well, I, I don't, I don't have any comment about what the Chinese are doing in Xinjiang." Well, that's what Nancy Pelosi wants you to do. I would say, look, I come from America. Our country was founded on the notion of freedom. I believe in freedom, proud to be an American because of freedom. And uh, I think it's horrible that um, that the Chinese government is so oppressive. Boom. I'd really admire that person. And for Nancy Pelosi to advise athletes to shy away from that kind of comment, I don't think it's appropriate in the least. 800-848-9222. Justin is in Elizabeth, New Jersey. Hello, Justin. How you doing, sir? Uh, thank you, Frank, for having me. Um, I had a unique night. I uh, towed somebody off the turnpike that was Ukrainian. Well, are you, a, in uh, fact, a tow truck driver? Because if you're not, that would be quite a unique night. Yeah, no, I um I am a tow truck driver and I helped uh, a man named Eugene from Ukraine. Uh, what a nice man! I didn't bring any of that stuff up. 
And uh, we just connected as uh, Americans. He was a great guy, uh, 73 years old. Told me he came here 34 years ago, and he's like really disappointed. And I why was it, why is he disappointed? Uh, we started talking about what's going on, and and he said, "Hey, you know, I came here 34 years ago. I'm ready to leave." And I I said to him, "You should be ready to leave. You know, after all you got into this, you know." So, are you working now, Justin? No, I'm not. No, I'm 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 back home now. What was the Ukrainian fellow? What was Eugene's issue? Why did he need a tow? Um, his uh, wife had an accident on the. Uh, I won't say. You know, I don't know if I could say where we were at, but in the area, um, you know, raining out and stuff, and he came through the toll, and his wife was driving and hit the curb and had an accident. I see. I see. She had a car accident, not yeah. like, uh, not something call us and more embarrassing. Yeah, what's cool is AAA uh, paid for the tow off the turnpike. Now they kind of collaborate with everybody on that. Where years ago, that was a big issue. And um, they also paid for the tow for his car to get home, but he sat here like two and a half hours because the garages were busy. Oh. And uh, I said, you know what, man? I'm going to bring you home. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, he he was a great guy. He was really nice. And um, he told me, hey, man, I, I was a soldier back in 86. And uh, I. Oh, so he was a Soviet soldier. Morning. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, during uh, you know our our late great President Reagan. Yeah. Oh, Justin, yeah, he was a I'm really glad. Great guy. He, that, he gave me a nice tip. That's nice of you. I'm glad you helped the guy out. I'm glad you uh, you made a new friend. Thank you, Justin. You see, you see how our our tow truck drivers are doing the job that the diplomats are not able to do. We should send Justin over to the Donbass region. And have him negotiate. I don't think he could do any worse than the hacks in the State Department that are hiring people like Ned Bryce. Uh, you give me a press briefing by Justin in Elizabeth, New Jersey, and I will take that over Ned Price any day of the week. I guarantee you, if you ask Justin, well, what's the evidence of the, of the Russian false flag operation? Justin's not going to sit there and say, oh, I just gave it to you. Because Justin's a straight shooter, unlike Ned Price. Your calls next. This is The Other Side of Midnight, 800-848-9222. Straight ahead. WABC. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano, 77 WABC. <laughs> oh, do you remember the first time you started the day and the places you had to go just to be alone with your number one? <laughs> well, I hope this song brings back a whole lot of beautiful memories for you.
The great Wolfman Boogie uh, from the uh, Boogie with the Wolfman, I guess. By Wolfman Jack and the Wolf Pack, uh, one of the most famous DJs of all time. All time. Uh, he is uh, really without peer. Uh, I mean, I know a lot of people probably remember him from his time at uh, WNBC, but uh, he also, of course, was immortalized in that terrific film, uh, American Graffiti. A wonderful, wonderful film. And as well as a lot of other things. As a Battlestar Galactica fan, I actually remember that uh, sequel television show, which was not that great, but had a couple of decent moments. Galactica 1980, he was that in that. And he's, uh, he's been in a lot of things. Really an incredible guy uh, who we miss. Those of us that are radio fans really miss him. Now, speaking of radio, the other day, I think it was, what's today, Friday? Wednesday. A fella called in and he insulted me. And I don't care that he insulted me. I've been insulted by better people than him. But what bothered me at the time is that I did not understand the adjective that he was using to describe me. And so I've done a lot of research since then. So if you didn't hear that, let's go back in time to two days ago and listen to what this caller had to say about me. Let me say hello to Rob in White Plains. Hello, Rob. Hello, Frank. Frank, you're colorfully petty and you're very, very promiscuous. I'm petty, and what was the second? What was the second adjective? Pernicious. You have to look at that's a word of the day. Pernicious. (laughs) Pernicious. That would mean you're no, no. You're not wasting. Maybe you are wasting away. I might be. So spell spell it for me. Stay out of restaurants. Yeah, thanks, Rob. Thanks, Rob. Spell it for me. Spell the word. Promiscuous. Yes. P r m i s c i o u s. I believe. P r Pro, 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 promiscuous, promiscuous, not promiscuous, but promiscuous. Well, you may be that as well, but don't let your wife find out. Oh, you're very clever. uh, So, uh, okay, so promiscuous. Let me look up the results. Uh, Having or characterized by many transient sexual. Oh, oh, no, that's promiscuous. Uh, Promiscuous. Well, you hang out at restaurants. I mean, what kind of an image are you presenting to the public? You hang out at restaurants. You talk about being drunk during the day. You 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 smoke. You pollute the room. I mean, what the hell? So, um, when I so I looked up his spelling of that supposed word promiscuous, p r o m i c i o u s. That's what he said. There is no word that says that. So now, what I am trying to figure out is what he was trying to say. Now, I think he was trying to say pernicious, which is having a harmful effect, especially in a gradual or subtle way, but I can't help but think that um, someone calling me the incorrect adjective as an insult, that is far more pernicious than anything I'm doing. So um, what I'd like to do is, if you know what word he was trying to describe, give me a call, 800-848-9222, because so far, based on his spelling... And his definition, the only two words that I can find that are close to that are pernicious, P-E-R-N-I-C-I-O-U-S, or promiscuous, which he claimed that's not what he was trying to say. But I, I, um, I really think it says a lot about me that the people who find me petty and 
promiscious, which is a word that that caller Rob just invented, don't even know what the word means. They're inventing words to insult me. That's how above reproach I am, that words do not exist to describe my level of pettiness. So if you have a thought about what that word actually is, uh, give me a call, 800-848-9222. We got denunciations coming up, and uh, no more guests, no guests at all today. So it's just you and me today. There's plenty of opportunity for us to chat. We have one, two, three, four open lines, 800-848-WABC. Denunciations and more coming up. In the meantime, in the words of the great Barry Farber, keep asking questions. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's Frank Morano. everyone this is the other side of midnight i am frank morano and if you want to be heard on any of the subjects that we are talking about you are welcome to call us at uh, 800-848-9222 that's 1-800-848-WABC we will get to your calls uh, throughout the course of the next two hours Additionally, uh, if you want to be heard on the, in cyberspace, you can email me at uh, frank.morano at wabcradio.com. Uh, that's uh, frank.morano at wabcradio.com. And we're also on Twitter at Frank Morano. That's Frank, M-O-R-A-N-O, uh, where we're trying to build a, a Twitter army. By the way, I meant to last hour, I wanted to thank... John Katzmatidis, our owner, who I know listens to this show, for I guarantee you he sent word out. I think it was him. He didn't tell me it was him, but I'm assuming it was him. He sent word out, I think, to the news department here to give me credit for being the first one to mention that Bill de Blasio running for Congress story. Uh, because I talked about this yesterday. The New York Post didn't credit me. They didn't give me even a quote. Sure enough, all of the news anchors, Bob Brown and everybody else, that talked about that all day yesterday, they all gave me credit. And I would venture to guess that that was due to uh, John Katzmatidis doing. Now, it could have been Liddy Serrani, the uh, news director as well, but it was very nice of everybody to to mention me. So I I appreciate that. Now, my ego is no longer bruised. I feel a lot better about the whole whole situation. Uh, But um, it it is without further ado that I bring you today's edition of The Other Side of Midnight presents Denunciations. All right, let me begin with council person Kristen Richardson-Jordan. You know, when, when this person was elected, we knew we were in for... She's a defund the police person. She's a disarm the police person. We knew we were in for it with this person. Well, she has not disappointed. She sent out invitations. She's a city councilwoman 
up in the Bronx. You know what happened in the Bronx recently? You have any? Not in the Bronx, excuse me. She's a city councilwoman up in Harlem. You know what happened in Harlem recently? Two cops were murdered. And she sent out an invitation to her constituents inviting her to a vigil. Now you think, great, she's doing a vigil for these dead cops? That's wonderful. I almost lost my lunch when I learned that she was inviting people to a vigil not for the police that were killed, but for a double murderer, LaShawn McNeil, comparing him to the recent victims of murder Uh, including the two young cops that McNeil murdered. This is crazy. And, you know, her constituents tweeted about this, and they had a, a, it says, virtual vigil, vigil, names of those that we recently lost, and it puts LaShawn McNeil in the same category as Jason Rivera and Wilbert Mora. Now, I'm not saying that... um, LaShawn McNeil did not have mental health issues. He clearly did. And I'm not saying that the city shouldn't do a better job treating people like LaShawn McNeil. They certainly should. But for them to honor LaShawn McNeil with a virtual vigil and have it be the same one that honors the two dead cops that are dead because of McNeil, in my opinion, that at the very least is tone deaf. I found it incredibly insensitive and very harmful. So Councilman, Councilwoman Jordan, Richardson Jordan, I do denounce you. I must also denounce State Senator Michael Giannaris. State Senator Michael Giannaris. These days it seems like he's always doing something that I that find worthy of denunciation. But here is a fellow. He's the Deputy Majority Leader of the State Senate. He once railed against gerrymandering. In 2011, when the Republicans were in the majority, he complained bitterly about how the Republicans controlled the state Senate and redrew the district lines to benefit Republican candidates. And you know what? He was right. He was a reformer, and he was exactly right. And he said in a tweet, August 31st, 2011, legislative district lines must not be drawn in a manipulated, partisan manner. He's exactly right. In another tweet at the time, he said, gerrymandering throughout the state must be stopped. Well, now he's the one that's gerrymandering. He is the one that was primarily responsible for these horrible gerrymandered lines that the state legislature adopted this week and the governor signed into law yesterday. Shame on her, by the way. I won't be voting for her. And I think that um, the guy is way off base, way off base on this. And it just goes to show you the old adage in politics is true. Where you stand depends on where you sit. When he was in the minority and the Republicans were rigging the system, he had a big problem with it. Now that he's the one rigging the system, he has no problem with it. I want to denounce the uh, mayor of Los Angeles, Eric Garcetti. I can't believe this guy. Cannot believe this guy. So they were mocking this guy for taking pictures at the football game last weekend with Magic Johnson without wearing a mask, and as well as the governor of California, Gavin Newsom. So I was the one guy that said, no, 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 let's not attack these public officials for not wearing a mask. 
Let's make that mainstream. Let's make that normal. Let's make it normal that you don't have to wear a mask. This buffoon, and I always thought the mayor of L.A. was a pretty bright guy. This buffoon, his defense for why he was not wearing a mask in this photo is just so stupid. You know what he said? When people ask for a photograph, I hold my breath. There is a 0% chance of infection from that. The guy said that's why he wasn't wearing his mask, because he was holding his breath. Do you know how often people used to reprimand me for not wearing a mask, including outside? I'd be walking around outside. People, perfect strangers, felt they had the right to heckle me and go up to me and say, oh, you know, uh, 400,000 people dead. You can't wear a mask? Well, I should have just said, oh, I'm holding my breath like Mayor Garcetti did. This guy ought to be recalled from office, not for corruption, but for incompetence. This guy is way too stupid to be a public official. I mean, if that's your excuse for not wearing a mask, if that's the best that you come up with, you clearly don't have the creativity necessary to be a dishonest politician. Uh, I also want to denounce the metaverse rapists. You know, everything is moving towards the metaverse. If you're not familiar with the metaverse, and I'm surprised at how many people are not familiar with it, you see the movie Ready Player One. That does a good job explaining kind of where we're heading with the metaverse. Eventually, we're all going to be living in the metaverse. And as the metaverse grows in popularity, more and more people are using it to chat to their friends and meet strangers online. But now there's a story of one woman who was virtually gang-raped in the metaverse. Nina Jane Patel, the vice president of research for a rival metaverse company, claims she was verbally and sexually harassed and virtually gang-raped by a group of men within 60 seconds of logging into Horizon Venues, which is a virtual reality world owned by Meta, formerly Facebook. Patel said three or four male avatars with male voices, essentially but virtually, gang-raped my avatar and took photos as I tried to get away. They yelled, don't pretend you didn't love it, and go rub yourself off to the photo. I mean, I don't know what kind of a sick person you have to be to get your vicarious thrills from raping women in the metaverse, I mean, you got to really be a weird, sick, demented human being. Uh, I also must denounce Jeff Zucker. Uh, I defended Jeff Zucker yesterday. I said he shouldn't have been fired for having a consensual relationship. I stand by that, and that goes for anybody who's an employee at any company in America. But the more we learn about Jeff Zucker, the more we learn about how lacking he was as a newsman. Now we learned that, remember, Jeff Zucker is, a, is the head of what's ostensibly a news network. And his girlfriend was, had worked for Andrew Cuomo, Allison Gollist. And so Jeff Zucker not only manipulated his own network to give Andrew Cuomo favorable coverage, but he encouraged the shows to have Andrew Cuomo on he helped shape the narrative 
that Andrew Cuomo was this big rock star. But now we learn that while he was covering and while his network was covering Andrew Cuomo and he's banging Andrew Cuomo's former staffer, we now learn that Zucker was actually coaching Andrew Cuomo. He was coaching Andrew Cuomo on those Emmy Award winning press conferences. Did they take back that Emmy Award, by the way? That, like they took back uh, Rudy Giuliani's Lifetime Achievement Award? I, ho- I mean, I hope not, because what good is an award if you could just take it back as soon as you fall from grace? But, you know, I, I hope there's a little consistency here. So, Jeff Zucker, I am denouncing you for your failures as a newsman. You know what this reminds me of? This reminds me of when John Meacham, the writer, was writing speeches for Joe Biden and then going on TV to praise what a brilliant speech that was. Yeah, of course, John Meacham. It was brilliant because you wrote it. That's what Jeff Zucker did here. He told Cuomo what to say and then manipulated the coverage at his own network so that they were all falling over themselves with the exception of Jake Tapper, who actually did exercise some honest journalism during Cuomo Gate. He was really incredibly biased. You know, my wife is a journalist, and when she was a writer for the Staten Island Advance, they prohibited her from covering a state assembly race that she had been covering because I was friends with one of the candidates. That's how much they wanted to avoid conflict of interest for her. I was friends with one of the candidates, and she couldn't cover the race. Jeff Zucker is advising Governor Cuomo on these press conferences, and he's having all of his shows fall over themselves with praise. I mean, it's terrible. Speaking of CNN, I must also denounce John Berman. You know, it's such a mistake to check my phone before I go to sleep because I saw a clip that someone put up from CNN's New Day this morning of John John Berman as their anchor, and they were covering this Rudy Giuliani masked singer scandal, which I began the show with yesterday. And... John Berman does this whole segment, and, you know, it was a relatively informative segment. You know, it was fine. They had a reporter on. She gave the facts. And he introduces the story this way. So this story will blow your mind. The subpoenaed, disgraced former mayor of New York, Rudy Giuliani, whose actions contributed to not one but two impeachments, who vigorously and publicly worked to overturn an election, turned up as a contestant on a game show. Um, Now, they do the story, and then this is how he ends the segment, this grade A secola. This is what he says. You know, next week on The Masked Singer, Harvey Weinstein. The week after that, Manuel Noriega. Great job, guys. Great job. I hope the viewers that you're attracting here are worth it to you. Excuse me? Rudy Giuliani, the two-term mayor of New York City, the president's former attorney, the former U.S. attorney for the Southern District, a former deputy attorney general, he's comparing him, literally, to a convicted rapist. And to a drug-dealing dictator. I mean, 
you sure can pick him over at CNN, Jeff Zucker. You sure can pick him. Is it any wonder that Jeff Zucker's been in charge? Uh, let me also denounce Amazon.com. They are raising the price of Amazon Prime by $20. Now, a lot of people rely on Amazon Prime, not just for entertainment, but for getting goods and services. And you know what? Amazon made a mint during the pandemic. But you know what? I told this to my wife before when she was upset about this. This is what you can do when you're a monopoly. Amazon is a monopoly. And Matt Stoller has made a great case as to why. And I've tried to get Matt Stoller on the show again. He came on when I was doing my Sunday night show when I first started at this station. And he was good. But he's not wanting to stay up late. So i got to see if I could pre-tape him one day. But Matt Stoller has made the perfect case, as have others, as to why Amazon is bad for America in its current form. Amazon ought to be broken up just like Ma Bell was broken up. It ought to be broken up into itty-bitty pieces. But until it is, Amazon is a monopoly, and this is what you can do. And they are choosing to exploit the working class, the middle class, the hardworking Americans that are their customers by raising prices drastically by $20. That's big. We're not talking $2, $3, $5, all of which would result in Amazon making hundreds of millions of dollars. We're talking $20 for everybody that has Amazon Prime. Not right. Not right. I want to denounce melatonin. It goes to show I, I took two melatonin yesterday before I read this. More and more adults are taking over-the-counter melatonin to get to sleep. And a new study shows that some of us might be using it at dangerously high levels. Study published Tuesday in the medical journal uh, JAMA, the Journal of the American Medical Association, that's a real medical journal, found that by 2018, Americans were taking more than twice the amount of melatonin they took a decade earlier. And um, taking these sleep aids, including melatonin, has been linked in many studies with the development of dementia and early mortality. The melatonin specifically has been linked to headaches, dizziness, nausea, stomach cramps, drowsiness, confusion or disorientation, irritability and mild anxiety. I got news for you. I just bought a bottle of melatonin from GetTheTea.com. Not taking it anymore. Had I known this, I wouldn't have been taking it. I thought melatonin is this nice natural supplement. It helps get you to sleep a little bit. I didn't think that it would do all this. And it just so happens my wife um, said that I was testy yesterday. She never says that I'm testy. It just so happens the day after I take melatonin, two capsules, she says that I'm testy. I think that's irritability. Uh, in terms of fatigue, I was quite tired yesterday driving into work. I think uh, I'm not, and all I need to hear is a risk of dementia and early mortality. Done. No more melatonin for the Frankster. I have a full bottle of melatonin sub with without four capsules that anyone who wants can have. Um, so I didn't like that. I want to denounce Kentucky. Kentucky is, the Commonwealth of Kentucky, is the least 
happy state in America. That's right. The bluegrass state is considered the most unhappy place to live in the nation. 17 factors play a role in happiness, such as mental health, income, environment, according to a study by experts at Amerisleep. So, Kentucky, cheer up a little bit. Until then, you're on the receiving end of this denunciation. Kudos to North Dakota, by the way. They were the happiest state. I want to denounce Or Moshe. That is a yeshiva in Brooklyn, in Borough Park, Brooklyn. I am amazed at how brazen these some of these yeshivas are. In the case of Or Moshe, they are telling the parents that they are halting all secular education. Okay, they are halting all secular classes for eighth grade students in spite of the New York State law mandating that all schools, including yeshivas, have to teach a secular education. This is a blatant violation of the law. Not just the law, but a blatant violation of the New York State Constitution. Or, remember, I've done a whole series of segments with Julie Globus on this issue. And, or Moisha, I do denounce you. And finally, I must denounce the so-called actress, Jacqueline Guzman, who went on this TikTok rant about street closures after the funeral of officer, murdered officer, Jason Rivera. She went on this video rant saying, quote, we do not need to shut down most of lower Manhattan because one cop died for probably doing his job incorrectly. Incorrectly, Jacqueline Guzman? I mean, you better pray that the cops do their job correctly. Because I have a feeling there'd be a lot of people, after seeing your little video rant, that find it anything but endearing and might want to do you harm. And you know who would be there to protect you? The men and women of the New York City Police Department. Shame on you, Jacqueline Guzman. Shame on you. Any reaction to my denunciations, you're welcome to give me a call. 1-800-848-WABC. That's 1-800-848-9222. And uh, in the meantime, if you are looking to preserve your financial security, you need to think about calling Legacy Precious Metals. It's no secret that... um. It's no secret that uh, inflation is out of control, okay? Inflation rose by almost 7% in just one month towards the end of the year. That means in 30 days, your dollar became worth 93 cents. This year, the stock market has been plummeting and your portfolio is in trouble. Inflation is a silent killer. It's a hidden tax felt by everybody, and it's escalating quickly. But there is something you could do about it. Gold. It's gold, Jerry. Gold. Gold provides a hedge against inflation and can protect your family's wealth. Legacy Precious Metals is the company that you should trust for investing in gold and silver. You have to take this seriously. Oil prices are rising. We have supply chain issues. And all of this is only going to add to the inflation problems. You can trust Legacy Precious Metals because they give you unbiased counsel based on your personal situation. It's time to be proactive before you regret it and take steps now to protect yourself. 
So call Legacy Precious Metals. They can advise you on all of your options, whether that's rolling your existing retirement account into a gold IRA or whether that's holding physical metals directly in your home. Speak to an IRA expert at Legacy Precious Metals. Here's the number, 866-932-0635. That's 866-932-0635. Or you can download the free investor's guide at LegacyPMInvestments.com. That's LegacyPMInvestments.com. When you download that guide, it's going to ask you where you heard about it. Tell me you heard about it from me, Frank Moreno. W-A-B-C. It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano, 77 WABC. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Taking your calls at 800-848-9222 if you want to comment on anything we've covered thus far. Uh, If you're just tuning in, we're trying to figure out... We have a pretty good idea that I was insulted, but we're trying to figure out exactly how I was insulted because I believe callers are making up words to insult me, which is fine. Maybe I think we're going to do a Get At Frank on Monday where callers will be able to let me have it for a full hour. Uh, But just to refresh your recollection, this is what uh, a caller from Westchester said of me on Wednesday. Let me say hello to Rob in White Plains. Hello, Rob. Hello, Frank. Frank, you're colorfully petty, and you're very, very promiscuous. I'm petty, and what was the second? What was the second adjective? Promiscuous. You have to look at it. It's a word of the day. Pernicious? Prone, <laughs> that would mean you're no, no, you're not wasting. Maybe you are wasting away. I might be. So, so spell, know, spell it for me. Stay at a restaurant. Yeah, thanks, Rob. Money. Thanks, Rob. Spell it for me. Listen. Spell the word. Promiscuous? Yes. P-R-O-M-I-S-C-I-O-U-S, I believe. P-R- P-R-O. Promiscuous. Promiscuous. Not promiscuous, but promiscuous. Well, you may be that as well, but don't let your wife find out. Oh, uh, you're very clever, Rob. So, uh, okay, so permissious, let me look up the results. Uh, having Thank or you, characterized sir. by many transient sexual, oh, oh no, that's promiscuous. Uh, permissious. We, we hang out at restaurants. I mean, what kind of an image are you presenting to the public? You hang out at restaurants. You talk about being drunk during the day. You, 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 you smoke, you pollute the room. I mean, what the hell? First of all, uh, let me just say in response to the caller, I hang out at restaurants. I, I, I mean, where would you like me to hang out? At a crack den somewhere? And um, and number two, I don't really smoke indoors unless I'm at a cigar shop or something. But we looked up that word under that spelling, and we have not been able to find anything. Anything. Now, meantime, um, in the Facebook group, which you can join at Morano Radio Fans and Haters, that's uh, M-O-R-A-N-O, Radio Fans and Haters. Uh, One commenter writes, you know, yeah, don't forget, tedient. And it's right. It's right. Because they had invented that word initially to insult me. Let me me, uh, remind you of the birth of the word tedient. 489222, time for you to let me have it. Susan, it's time for you to get at Frank. 
You are tedious and you're strident. The combination is difficult. Well, I can't disagree with that, Susan. So if you were to combine the words tedious and strident, what would you get? See, I'd love to write that down, but there are no pens here. I'm guessing that, so that would be tedious, which I don't think is a word, but I'd love to coin that word right now. Um, again, Christian, since there are no pens in this room, maybe you can write that one down, tedious. I'd like to include that in my vocabulary on a daily basis. I got to tell you, I think Susan might be right on the money. I think I am tedious. 800-848-WAB. So there you have it. Um, the word tedious was invented to describe how I'm a combination of tedious and strident. And I, I'm, I'm serious. I do want that in the dictionary one day. And number two, uh, we're still trying to figure out what exactly this caller meant by pernicious. I think I thought he meant pernicious. He insists that's not the case. So if you have a thought, you can do so. 800-848-WABC. Russell is in White Plains. Now, Russ, you're from this area where they apparently think I'm pronicious or promiscuous. What's your take? Well, there's a conjurie of callers up here in White Plains, Frank. But I think you're wrong. The clue is in what he said first. You're colorfully petty and you're propitious, which in the dictionary, the 1959 Webster's New International Second Edition on a bridge says you're prone to falling down drunk, number one, or two, benevolent, Auspicious, promising, helpful. I think he was complimenting you, Frank. I well, so the- when, right when you look at the word uh, propitious, P R O P I T I O U S, which is not right. what he said. But if you look right. at the word propitious, it says fa- it says favorably disposed towards someone, or giving or indicating a good chance of success, or favorable. I mean, he clearly meant it as an insult, but it sounds like. No. Pro- no, Frank, a color, colorfully petty. The first phrase he used I was see. your colorfully petty. You know, up in White Plains, we're on drugs. He might be on melatonin or Ambien, you know. <laughs> he was slurring his words. Hey, Frank, can I ask you one, tell you a quick anecdote about Stephen Ross real quick? Yeah, please. In the 80s, I worked in a parking garage on 89th Street, and he, he's, the related companies was building a 20-story apartment building on Amsterdam in 89th and 90th. He walked into the garage I worked in up the street and said, uh, here's my card. Give it to your boss. Start looking for another job because I'm buying this garage. And I was stunned. I just had a newborn kid. Smug, arrogant, but my boss, he got a head start on a good lawyer, and he fought off Stephen Ross. I have no doubt that he micromanaged this team and told them to throw games. Do you think he can be locked up? (laughs) I, I don't think so. I don't think so. I'd be very, very skeptical. Mark is in Westchester. Hello, Mark. Yes, sir. I think uh, your verbally challenged pal was trying to use the word pernicious. P-E-R-N-I-C-O-U-S. Well, well, that's what I thought, and I asked him so, and he insisted that that wasn't the case. Really? Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I asked him, do you mean pernicious? And he says, no, I didn't mean pernicious. All right, I apologize. Well, no, it's not your fault. I I think, you know, you know what it is, Mark? I think the people that don't like me just are idiots. I have to be honest. I hate to put it that way, but uh, it looks like that's the case. The the intelligent people. They're vocabularly challenged. They don't know how to use uh, 
proper adjectives. Well, I agree with you, Mark, and I'm glad you do. And I appreciate the call. Thank you, Mark. So um, it, it is interesting. Speaking of that, so I, I try to stay out of the Facebook group as much as possible. I try to, if there's any comment that anyone wants to make that's even remotely related to the show, of course, I just approve it, whether it's positive or negative. If there's anything even tangentially related to the show, I always will approve it. And so whenever I log into the Facebook group, Facebook will prompt me for certain things. It'll say, do you want to do this or do you want to do that? And so recently they asked me, do you want to um, make certain people group experts? And uh, I, I just clicked OK. I figured, OK, maybe that's a nice thing for people to be experts. And I, and I chose a whole bunch of people. So one woman wrote to me, nice lady, it seems, and I think she's a listener. Subject, expert status. And I, I swear to you, I had no idea what she was talking about. I'd forgotten that I clicked this ridiculous thing on Facebook. And she said, why are you assigning expert status to certain people? Are they the ones without an unexpressed opinion in your group? Divisive. I am thinking of leaving. I couldn't believe that email. She's thinking of leaving the group because there are certain people that are experts. I, and I, I honestly, I didn't remember that I'd made anyone an expert. And she said... Uh, <laughs> She said, I'm not. I, so I said, I'm not sure what you mean, Joan. And then Joan says, here's what I mean, Frank. Ellen has a written opinion about everything. We all have opinions. How is she an expert? In what field? Why would I ask her about any subject that I want to know about just because she doesn't hesitate to voice what she thinks does not make her an expert? Her grammar is better than many of the group members, but that's all. Even Joan, who was critical and questioning of Ellen's expertise is forced to acknowledge that Ellen, who by any objective measure is the biggest fan of the show, has great grammar. And you know what? It really does warm the cockles of my soul because Ellen always posts about the show. She's always on topic. She's always, I wish everyone was doing what Ellen did. There's stuff that she doesn't that agree with, stuff I say that I'm sure she doesn't care for, and stuff guests say that she doesn't care for. She always says so. But she's she's always on topic, and she always uses great grammar. It makes me feel good that the people that like me use proper grammar and verbiage, and the people that don't like me are using um, made-up words. So there you have it. Um, 800-848-9222. Jeffrey is in Queens. Hello, Jeffrey. Hello, Frank. Hello. Um, I, I, for an issue, I don't know. I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to weigh in on that time, on my topic. I want to talk about melatonin. Okay. okay. Yes. All right. It was about 15 years ago. You know, my parents were taking it, uh, as a regular sleep, you know, thing. And one day I was, it was, you know, I'm now 64, never done, never been on any medication, Frank, except for now I'm on, you know, hypertension medication, but nothing my whole life, you know, no, no drugs, no legal drugs, anyway, no history of drugs. One day I said, let me, let me try melatonin. 15 years ago, Frank, I tried it one night. My dreams were so powerfully intense. It scared the S out of me so bad, I never did it again. Really? Okay. Yeah. Wow. The, just so the dreams were so unbe- I, I can't remember how uh, that that's that, it's an old memory. But one time, Frank, and that was it for me. Mel- melatonin. 
Well, yeah, I think I'm off it as well. Uh, my wife had said, oh, you know, it's not harmful. It's all natural. You're not going to overdose on it. And I had done a little bit of research. But after looking at this study, I, I, I can't I don't I'm not afraid of a lot. OK, I um, especially now that tab is no longer out there. What do we really have to be afraid of? Right. They've already done the worst that you can do to us. Take it away, tab. But one of the things that genuinely keeps me up at night is losing my memory. And I know they say that, oh, once you lose your memory, you don't know it. But I really treasure my memory. There are so many times when um, I just sit and think and remember. And um, I love to just reminisce with, uh, with old friends or old acquaintances. And I just love to remember. And to think that, um, you know, I look at what happened to people who had, you know, vibrant minds, uh, people like uh, Ronald Reagan, people like uh, Charlton Heston, and, uh, and my, my Uncle Carmine, for instance, who I was very close to, one of the smartest people I ever met, had uh, Parkinson's with Louis Body. And I find that to be the most terrifying thing in the world. And if there is one sliver of, one scintilla of evidence that melatonin is going to contribute to dementia, then that's it. I am not participating in melatonin. 800-848-WABC. Gina is in Brooklyn. Hello, Gina. Hi, Frank. Good morning. Good morning. Frank, I think the word that that man was trying to say, but first I think he was a little um, under some influence. And um, I think he was trying to compliment you because the word I think he was trying to say was perspicacious. Ah. Yeah, and it, and it actually um, it is something that would define you, astute and, um, you know, readily insightful into many things, understanding, you know, many issues. And even an example that was given on uh, the Google page talked about a reporter, you know, being, per, you know, having the this adjective, the perspicacious reporter, um, gathered quite a few facts. But there was a man who called into Curtis and tried to use this word, uh, and I think the fellow that called you heard that man. I see. And, um, I think he was trying to imitate him, but I think he was under the influence. But it means astute, like you are. Oh, well, maybe it was a compliment then, Gina. Gina, thank you for the call. Thank you for clearing that up. You see, we really have some terrific, terrific callers here. Uh, 800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-9222. Let me say hello to uh, Corey in Brooklyn. Hello, Corey. Hello, Frank. Uh, thanks for the advice on the casinos and the hotels. Sure. Um, but you are an evil, vicious person because you lead further into my, um, not being able to sleep overnight. Oh, I apologize. I apologize. Um, but I do have a new word that you can come up with. It's an aged mozzarella cheese that you keep unrefrigerated. (laughs) It's called... Fromano mozzarella. Well, give it to me again. Fromano. Fromano. Like, I like Mano, it. I like it a lot. Fromano mozzarella. I. And you have to leave it unrefrigerated. I like that a lot, actually. I like it, Corey. Thank you. Uh, I'll take it. Hey, by the way, one quick story I wanted to bring to your attention. A suspect in a, uh, you know, we did the story about uh, vehicular 
car crashes the other day. A suspect in a Las Vegas car crash said, this is not a joke, not shtick, not me making this up. The suspect in this Vegas car crash said the ghost of a NASCAR driver told him to drive the wrong way. So this man, Daniel Assef, who's accused of intentionally driving the wrong way on a highway, told a judge this week that the ghost of a NASCAR driver told him to do it. So now he's facing charges of attempted murder, DUI, battery with a deadly weapon. And in a court hearing, this fella actually told the judge the ghost of Dale Earnhardt told him to drive the wrong way on the freeway in order to get the mayor's attention and bring NASCAR back to Las Vegas. Judge Ann Zimmerman noted that Assef reportedly had heroin and methamphetamine in his system at the time of the crash. And uh, I don't know about you. I'm skeptical of this story. I don't think that this was the ghost of Dale Earnhardt. And I actually think that the heroin and the meth probably was a greater contributing factor than the ghost of Dale Earnhardt. Tell me what you think. 800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Nancy is in North Bergen, New Jersey. Hello, Nancy. Hi. This is my second call. I don't know if you remember. I was the babysitter who got $10 a week. Yes, I remember you very well, Nancy. Are you <laughs> yes, available for me. babysitting these days? Are you still in that line of work? No, I don't do that. Okay. I, right. I walk with a cane. Otherwise, I would love to. All right. Okay. I love babies. I think the word you're looking for is pernicious. Yeah, that seems to be the... Right, that's what I thought it was. Uh, And I said that to the caller, but he insisted that it wasn't the case. Oh, wow. But, again, I don't think it's a real word. word he's made up himself. Clearly. That's clearly the case, Nancy. Nancy, um, anything else? Congratulations on your baby. Oh, thank you. uh, Lots of luck and happiness with him. Thank you, he Nancy. Must be getting big quick. Yes, he is now. We, we're at the pediatrician Wednesday for his shots. He is now twelve pounds, so he is uh, almost wow. double much, the weight uh-huh. as when he was born. Oh, I was going to say, how much did he weigh when he was born? Yeah, he because was six. We had six blue, pounds. Uh, he was six, He was thirteen pounds. Right, he was six pounds. My friend said two ounces. Him. Six pounds, two ounces. Thank you. Eight hundred eight four eight W A B C. Larry is in Brooklyn. Hello, Larry. Well, yeah. Hi, Frank. On the subject of insults, I have to apologize for yesterday because I, I inadvertently insulted you by uh, inferring you were a pseudo-intellectual. That's okay, Larry. I am a pseudo. I am a pseudo-intellectual. I don't find it insulting in the least. No, you're you're actually a a, a good example of an intellectual. Okay, maybe you're not on the William F. Buckley level, but you're certainly an intellectual. And I just, I just, reason I got mad is because that that attorney general said something so false. He said that. That these mentally ill people, when they're free and not given medication, they have organic brain damage. That is so false. If anything causes organic brain damage, it's the damn drugs that the psychiatrists give them. Okay, when they don't take them, that's what causes the uh, brain well, damage. But you would acknowledge, Larry, right? There's some people maybe that are violently schizophrenic that need to be on medication. Would you acknowledge that? Uh, I'm not an expert on on on. Well, maybe some cases, but you know what? If it, if it's ten percent of cases, the doctors are giving ninety five percent of people medication. Okay, I, I won't, I, I won't disagree with that. Like, I won't disagree with that. I think that there are 
there are a lot of people that are, um, you know, over-medicated. Will not disagree with that in the least. But um, I think that the point that Brian Stetton was making was a good one, and it's one that I happen to agree with, that a lot of what we're seeing in terms of violent crime has to do with people that are not taking their medication. 800-848-WABC. Tony is in Florida. Hello, Tony. Hey, Frank. That gentleman that that called earlier about the melatonin, um, I had insomnia for two reasons, anxiety, and I had real bad dreams, and it would keep me awake worrying about it. I didn't want to take any um, sleeping pills, so my doctor suggested melatonin. And when I took it, I had the same problem he did. I had I mean, I already had bad nightmares, but, man, this was a whole other level. I took it for one night, and after that, I never took it again. It really? Really? Well, well I'm, sorry yeah. to hear, I'm sorry to hear that, Tony. I have not experienced that. Um, see, I have had it, you know, I when you have these hours, you always have a complicated relationship with um, with sleep. Now, before the baby was born, I would go to sleep when I came home, and my wife would let me sleep some. As long as I could. Sometimes I'd sleep six, seven, eight, never eight hours, but six or seven hours. Now it's much more difficult because now when I come home, I will look after our child for two, three hours, maybe four hours, and allow my wife to, to get some sleep. And then I'll go to sleep at 9, 9.30, 10 o'clock. And now the sun is up. You know, I've been up talking to the baby, taking care of our son for a little while. And it's tough. Yesterday, um, I didn't get very much sleep at all. I am looking forward to trying to get some sleep today. Uh, We have a meeting at 7, which I'm hoping is brief. And then I have nothing until 3 o'clock. I have a lunch uh, at 3 o'clock with my friend Nick Barbaro. But he was kind enough to come to me so that we can, you know, just go around the corner from my house. We do a quick lunch, 45 minutes or an hour. And then I can go right back, maybe even get in another nap in the afternoon. Actually, no, I don't know that I'll be able to do that. I think my mom is coming over. And then um, hopefully we'll be in bed early. So we'll see what happens. 800-848-WABC. It was interesting to hear Larry, who I disagree with on his broader point about Brian Stetton being wrong. Larry said that I'm not a pseudo-intellectual. I'm an actual intellectual, but not along the lines of William <clears throat> F. Buckley Jr. Now, how smart could Bill Buckley have been if he had to clear his throat every eight seconds? I mean, he, I mean, if you just, just listen to William <clears throat> F. Buckley Jr., every other syllable, he's clearing his throat. Until Mr. Bailey <clears throat> came along, the friends of Dr. Sam Shepard had despaired of getting him out of jail. Until Mr. Bailey took the case for Dr. Coppolino... It looked very blue for the man charged with murdering his wife and his mistress's cuckold. The Boston Strangler is said safely to be in Mr. Bailey's hands. Indeed, he is a man of such ferocious talent and energy that he may yet decide to empty the prisons in alphabetical order. (laughs) If Bill Buckley was so smart, you'd think he'd be smart enough to get some primatine. 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. WABC. 
We are New York on New York's Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's Frank Morano. Homegrown alligator, see you later. Gotta hit the road, gotta hit the road. The sun ain't changing the atmosphere, architecture unfamiliar. I could get used to this. Time flies by in the yellow and green. Stick around and you'll see what I mean. There's a mountain top that I'm dreaming of. If you need me, you know where I'll be. I'll be riding shotgun. Love George Ezra. A terrific, terrific singer. Uh, You know, Arthur Idala, every time I see him, he reiterates the same question to me. And it's a a question that a caller had asked on this show that I never really responded to. I said I would respond. I didn't. He always asks me, what are your five favorite rock bands? I don't know what my five favorite rock bands are. As uh, one caller, I believe it was Karen or emailer, said, one of my favorite bands, Ed Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros, they're sort of difficult to define. Are they a rock band? Are they not? Are they folk? I don't know. But if anyone ever asked me my five favorite singers living, George Ezra would be right at the top of that list. This voice is just incredible. Absolutely incredible. I don't even want to interrupt him. Sounds great. And the guy's less than 30 years old. The guy's 28 years old. He can sing like this. I mean, you want to look at things to pray for? I pray that guy never gets laryngitis or never gets loses his voice. I hope we have another 50 years of George Ezra singing like this. An incredible, incredible singer. Uh, 800-848-WABC. Let's see. What did I have planned to talk about now? Uh, oh, I, uh, I got to talk about this. Um, the charges have been dropped. Against an ex-Missouri teacher who had sex with her student. You know, you know why they dropped the charges? You know why they dropped these sexual assault charges? Because she married him. So, uh, first of all, I'm not going to get into the whole debate over these incredibly hot 20-something-year-old teachers um, sleeping with teenage boys, making every fantasy of these teenage boys come true, and their reward is they get arrested. Because I always get myself in trouble whenever I talk about that issue, so I'm going to hold off. But the, the prosecutors in Missouri dismissed the case against her because these two got married. So Bailey Turner, who's 26, she'd been facing a charge of sexual contact with a student by a teacher after admitting to police that she had sex with the student at her home two year, three years ago. But with the potential application of spousal privilege as a result of her marriage to the student in the case, the prosecutors have dropped the charges. We don't know when the two got married, but... This is absolutely incredible. You talk about an interesting way to get out of a crime. This is one. 
This is one. How long do they have to stay married? Let's say they get divorced in three weeks. Are they going to recharge her? I I suspect not. I thought that was pretty interesting. Uh, You're welcome to comment if you like. 800-848-9222. Kerry's in Rockland County. Hello, Kerry. Hi, Frank. I have two things to say about the stones being thrown at you. Um, The apple tree with the best apples gets the most stones thrown at it. And also, as a talk show host and interviewer, you're not getting older. You're getting better. Oh, well, thank you, Carrie. That's awfully nice of you. Appreciate that very much. Lou is in Belmar. Hello, Lou. Hi, hi, Frank. First of all, I think you're uh, as intellectual as Buckley and more understandable. <clears throat> uh, but, but what I was calling on is <laughs> the voice uh, was uh, the uh, Ned Price interview. And to me, this smells of the CIA uh, past his prologue. During Eisenhower and Mongoose, the church committee undercovered uh, a CIA operation, Operation Northwoods, which was trying to provoke the United States into uh, a war with Cuba. This was almost after the Bay of Pigs, where they were coming up with scenarios of of faking uh, uh, planes going, you know, of them shooting down American planes, putting it out on the news and, and, uh, and having Kennedy... Uh, you know, calling for a bombing on Cuba. Kennedy got so enraged with this, and then when they started to provoke him into Vietnam, that that was, was when he made his famous statement that he was going to smash the CIA into a, a million pieces because he realized what Eisenhower actually said about the military-industrial society trying to lead uh, U- U.S. presidents and the government into hey, war. Lou, and I, Lou I got to run. A great, gr- great point. I actually agree with most of what you said there. Jesse Ventura writes about Operation Northwoods in two books. One is American Conspiracies. The second is 63 Documents the Government Doesn't Want You to Read. Both books worth reading. And uh, I, I think he has a good point there, uh, the, the caller, Lou. You want to comment on anything we've covered? 800-848-9222. If you're a New York City school children, if you're a New York City school child, you won't be having a hamburger today. I'll tell you why. To be continued. Everybody, it's Friday, TGIF. Thank God it's Friday. Thank God it's Frank. Thanks for starting your weekend with me. It may be a different type of Friday if you are a child in New York City public school or you are the parent of a child in New York City public school. Now, let's begin with two undeniable truths. Okay, one, childhood obesity is out of control. We are seeing children that are horribly out of shape, and it's not just aesthetic. It's not that these kids look a little chubby. It's they're dealing with, at younger and younger ages, all sorts of issues related to obesity, issues like diabetes, issues like high blood pressure, other issues as well. Childhood obesity is a big, big problem. Let's also add another 
undeniable truth. If you can focus your diet on whole grain, whole grains and plant-based foods, that is a healthier nutritional makeup than a diet that is heavy in animal proteins. That is absolutely the case. Now, we know that. Science has backed that up. There's a wonderful documentary. I think it's on Netflix, but it's available in a bunch of different places. It's uh, called Forks Over Knives. And it's all about, and I'll spare you the details now, but it's all about the details of why a plant-based lifestyle with an emphasis on whole grains is healthier for you than a diet that's heavily based on uh, um, uh, animal-based proteins. So now I say this as somebody, I am obsessed with seafood. I am a seafood fanatic. Uh, that My nickname in some quarters is the shrimp killer. I, I might eat seafood every day. I am loving seafood. I also say this as somebody that my favorite food is eggs. Love eggs. And I am quite fond of, as anybody who's attended New Year's Eve before knows, cheese. So those are three animal-based proteins that are not the best for you. Now, Eric Adams has made a healthier lifestyle a big part of not only his campaign and his mayoralty, but his life. Eric Adams is a vegan, and he's talked, and again, if I ever get Eric Adams on the show, we're going to talk about this. But, and uh, by the way, Rita Cosby did a terrific interview with Eric Adams last night. Maybe we'll play a clip of it later. She really was uh, very, very good, and they broke a lot of news, mostly as it relates to crime. But we didn't get, he didn't discuss the diet issue. Eric Adams talks about how not only overweight he was, but how he was practically blind because of diabetes. And he cured his own diabetes through a transition to a vegan lifestyle. So I will acknowledge and freely admit that being a vegan is healthier for you and healthier for a child than a diet that's heavily based on animal proteins, meat and dairy. So... Look at what is happening in the New York City public schools starting today. Bill de Blasio, when he was mayor, instituted something called Meatless Monday, where um, they would not serve meat in public schools on Monday. And I had my doubts about this because a lot of the meat substitutes that they were serving on Meatless Monday weren't necessarily healthier. They were serving macaroni and cheese. They were serving a a cheese pizza. They were serving things that I didn't find, a a grilled cheese sandwich, that I don't think were as healthy as some animal-based options, like a a grilled chicken sandwich, for instance. Um, But Eric Adams has now taken this a step farther. Beginning today, in keeping with Mayor Adams' focus on fitness, The nation's largest school system will serve only vegan meals every Friday starting this week. So no meat, no dairy on Fridays. This will scrap staples like, um, you know, basically everything that I just mentioned. 
mac and cheese, and it's going to be replaced with veggie tacos and other plant-based dishes. So I'd love to know, this is what Adam said in a statement, plant-based options in schools mean healthy eating and healthy living and improving the quality of life for thousands of New York City students. What do you think about this? New York City public schools are now vegan as of today, on Fridays. 800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-9222. The program kicks off today is going to try to coax kids with vegan variants, ranging from plantain and rice bowls to Mediterranean chickpeas. Now, I was totally, so I've been totally turned around on this. When I first saw the article, I have to tell you, I thought this was a good thing. Because the the more people we get abandoning animal protein, the better we're all going to be. Not only is it better for their health, but it's better for the environment, quite frankly. So I thought this was a good thing. And then I talked to my wife, and she always straightens me out. And she said that we're not just talking meatless here. We're not talking vegetarian. We're talking vegan. So she's, she pointed out two things. That means um, now they are still going to be able to have milk because milk is provided per FDA guidelines. But that means they're not going to be able to get yogurt or something like that. There's a lot of healthy options that might include dairy that they're now no longer going to be able to get. And it's much harder to put together a vegan meal. And the other thing Rachel brought up, and I think she's right about this, is that school lunches, public school lunches, are notoriously paltry and inefficient. And her concern was the implementation of this, that are we going to essentially see, uh, because of supply chain issues or because of inadequate handling of the food or whatever the case may be, are we going to see students all of a sudden be served lentils and an apple every Friday? So I I think she's got a point there. We've seen photos, and kids have tweeted them and put them on social media. We've seen photos of public school students, not just in New York, but all over the country, having just terrible lunch options. So do we really trust the people that are responsible for New York City public schools to have the kind of healthy vegan varieties that they're talking about in the press statement here? I don't. I don't. So until the quality of New York City public school lunches improves, I'm very skeptical of this. My wife said that if our son was uh, in school already, that uh, she would be sending him with lunch on Fridays so that he wouldn't be relying upon the menu on vegan Fridays. But starting today, New York City public schools will mean menus are filled with, supposedly, filled with plant-based options like bagels and jelly, veggie tacos, Mediterranean pasta, black beans, plantain plantain rice bowls, and, sorry, Matt Blaze, chickpeas. Chickpeas. So uh, that is starting today. Right move by Eric Adams? Wrong move. What do you think? 800-848-WABC. I applaud him for the effort, but I have serious concerns about the practicality and the implementation of this. What do you think?
800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. This is one of those shows where I, I didn't even scratch the surface of things that I wanted to get to today. Um, and uh, I, I, I may use my, my two-way radio that one listener gave me. Still looking for who that listener was. If you sent that to me, please email me, frank.morano at wabcradio.com. I may use my two-way radio to do an extra hour uh, on uh, on radio today, but I have a lot of stuff that I have to get to. I'm going to try and get to as much as we can while still allowing time for calls within the next hour. 800-848-9222. We also have the $1,000 minute to get to in about 20 minutes. Let me begin with Harry on Staten Island. Hello, Harry. Yeah, hi. How are you doing? Well, um, I guess there are varying views about that. Uh, well, what I want to say is I've been a carnivore for three years. I lost close to 100 pounds. I am down to – I'm 55 years old. I'm down to 13% body fat. Uh, all my inflammation is gone. So you only, eat, you only eat meat? I only eat animal – only eat animal products. Hmm. Okay. Well, so, uh, is this part, so is this part of like a keto program you do? It's a little bit – well, I started with keto. Then I went to what they call ketovore, which is just the meat and vegetables uh, that you cook the meat with. And then now it's basically just pure pure carnivore. Well, okay. Uh, yeah, I my think – My doctor does my blood panels. My cholesterol comes up perfect. Everything comes up fine. All right. Well, hey, good for you, Harry. Look, I think uh, there's a lot of ways that you can be healthy while uh, while eating meat. And, it, look, if you lose weight and if you lose fat – that's going to have a beneficial effect on your uh, on your blood pl- pressure, on your cholesterol, over everything. That's why the people that um, you know that uh, went on the Atkins diet or whatever the low carb variety of it was, uh, why they all showed such improvements in high blood pr- pressure and cholesterol. And there are a lot of w- healthy ways to eat meat. If you eat uh, lean cuts of uh, of, uh, of meat, if you eat things like grilled chicken, yeah, no, that's I certainly... Eat, I, I eat highly fatty. I eat bacon every day. All right. Well, I, I, again, okay. Well, if you're healthy, that's good for you, Harry. Uh, the research that I've seen doesn't support that as a as a lifestyle. If you look at the work of people like uh, Dr. Esselstein, if you look at the work of people like Colin Campbell, I don't think a high-fat uh, animal-based protein diet is beneficial in the long term. And again, I say this as someone that eats animal products, but I don't think the research supports that. I think the overwhelming consensus is that a plant-based diet heavily focused on whole grains is better for you than uh, eating bacon, bacon cheeseburgers without the bun every day. But I'm not a doctor, and I'm not here to tell you what to do. But the bottom line is we do have a problem with childhood obesity. What should be done about it? Eric Adams says vegan Fridays. Is that the right move? I'm skeptical of the implementation. Now, the one thing that everybody, and I'm I'm sorry I ended the conversation with Harry before asking him about this, but the one thing that I think everybody agrees, the vegans, the uh, omnivores, the carnivores, the one thing that I think everybody agrees upon is that sugar and especially um, corn syrup, high fructose corn syrup, that's awful for you. That's, I think, the one universal truth that everybody agrees upon is that high fructose corn syrup really especially for children shouldn't be a part of of your diet 
But what do you think of this Eric Adams move for Vegan Fridays? 800-848-WABC. Al is in Rhinebeck. Hello, Al. Hey, good, uh, good morning, Frank. Good morning. First of all, I think, I think this is the only intelligent thing that Eric Adams has done. And furthermore, uh, a colleague of yours and a dear friend, Lionel, uh, basically is a huge proponent of that and uh, certainly goes to the same doctor I do. I've been a vegan for 17 years following Dr. Esselstyn's diet, and it absolutely is what it's all touted out to be. So this was the the right move by by Adams, you think, to do Vegan Fridays? Well, I think with a lot of caveats, uh, I agree with you. It's the implementation. Uh, If it's not done properly, it, 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 it will have no benefit. So the question is, what is healthy vegan? Uh, cheese, cheese pizza, you know, with vegan cheese, uh, eating that every day is uh, not healthy as having uh, plant, uh, bean-based and whole grain types of selection. And what? as to what your what your wife said, and respectfully, and congratulations on your child and and your your new marriage. Um, well, it's not yogurt, that new, but yes. Well, okay. Well. Yogurt is um, not 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 one of the better things. Even uh, you you won't even go along with uh, like a low fat or a zero percent fat Greek yogurt. You don't even think that's good for you? Oh, oh no, no, no! It's not what I think. It's what's been proven. All right, okay. And and and, and but but what you should have is Lionel on the on the. You know, email. I've been trying to get him. And he won't return my calls. Won't return my emails. I've been trying to get in touch with him for literally about three years. So uh, he has chosen. Not to return my calls and emails. So uh, I'm not going to sit in front of his house and beg him to come on the show. But if he, and when he does decide to start returning my calls again, I'll be happy to have him on. I'd love to have him on for an hour. love to have him on for a whole show. We'll talk about all sorts of things. We'll talk about uh, politics, talk about the law, QAnon, conspiracy theories. And, yes, of course, we'll talk about diets as well. 800-848-WABC. Mel is in Queens. Hello, Mel. Yes, good morning. Um, I have a grocery store in Queens, and I can tell you that nothing to do with the type of meals, vegan meals or plant-based or anything, but anytime there's lunches that the kids don't enjoy, they come in in droves after school and buy food because they're starved, and they do not go to the lentil and chickpea section. But there's ringdings and double doors and different types of danishes, plenty of chips and corn chips and all different types of snacks. And, of course, you need for a snack, you need a good sugary can of soda. And so I think that whole idea sometimes boomerangs that if they would have at least a healthy, so-called healthy lunch, even if it consists of eggs or tuna, or I'm not the exact nutritionist. I'm not sure exactly what, but right. So you, you don't think you don't think a lot of the children in public schools are going to be selecting the healthier options, the chickpeas and no. so forth, the baba ganoush, Correct. the tabbouleh. Correct, because children are hungry. By this point of the day, they are looking forward to something to enjoy to eat, and either they'll bring along, like your wife says, they'll bring along from home something to have also. Or they'll just go out and spend money. But I can tell you that when they go out to buy something because they're hungry, it does not include any of the 
Reagan choices that you listed out. Well, yeah, and and that's what the that's what they put in the statement on this, the New York City public school folks. I think you may have a point, Mel, and I think what will happen if what you say is true, if the children don't eat the healthier options, then the school lunch administrators, they will be ordering uh, less of it. So then that will become basically the situation, and thanks for the call, Mel, that my wife was concerned about, where it's going to be, all right, technically vegan, but it's very narrow choices. Because, look, if they order enough chickpeas for, I don't know, a thousand students in a school and only enough chickpeas are consumed, only a hundred children consume it, then they're going to order less and less each time. And uh, again, then I think my concern is this is going to become peanut butter and jelly every day or every Friday and an apple. And again, apple is great for you, but peanut butter and jelly has a lot of sugar. And look, they even mentioned the bagel and jelly. Bagel is not a health food. A bagel, and, I, and again, I like bagels, but a bagel is empty calories, right? And you throw some jelly on there, it basically just sugar. So, I, I again, I applaud what Adams is trying to do here, and I appreciate the fact that he's getting a conversation started on this. I just wonder if um, maybe he's getting a little ahead of himself. And look, maybe maybe he's right. Maybe this is the kind of bold leadership and the bold thinking that New York City needs. But um, I'm skeptical of the impl- implementation. 800-848-WABC. Jimbo is in Brooklyn. Hello, Jimbo. What's going on, Frank? How are you? I'm, uh, I'm the one who DMs you from time to time over on Instagram. Ah, well, thank you for that. Listen, <clears throat> let me ask you a question. This age group for the schools that he's changing everything to a vegan Friday, what's the age group? Every New York City public school student. So from kindergarten to the 12th grade. Okay. My thing is this. If he's really concerned about changing people's health for the better, which is definitely a good thing. Sure. Because this country in whole is in dire need of, of an entire an entire just overhaul nutritional-wise. Instead of forcing a specific diet on Fridays, which he seems to like for himself, don't you think it would be a better idea to start actually educating and teaching kids in schools, class, so to speak, about nutrition? This is like a huge, huge thing for our country, and and nobody seems to be focusing education on nutrition itself. While vegan is definitely very dense in nutrition, it's not necessarily the best thing for every specific person's body. You know, fish is a great choice, especially things, you know, high-fatty fish like salmon, you know. Um, I definitely don't think it's a good idea, especially for little kids who, unfortunately, are really, really, really picky eaters. Right. And most parents aren't educated and do not focus on nutrition. You know, they're stressed out. They're giving us something, the kids something quick. You know, it's a quick fix and a juicy. A quick fix usually isn't a healthy fix. So now you're going to put this very limited menu on a Friday. A lot of kids aren't going to eat this stuff. Yeah. They're going to be like, what is this? Well, and then, as I said, the school administrators are going to order less of it if the kids don't eat it. If it becomes peanut butter and jelly day, then that's what it'll become. That's my fear. 800-848-WABC. Mark is in Hackensack. Hello. Yes, hello, Frank. Um, I think a better way to go other than just 
stuff the kids don't want to eat on Fridays probably would be to have a mandatory school class to teach these kids um, proper foods to eat and, and preparation of these foods just to give them a, a background for the rest of their lives instead of these, this Friday thing. Well, I think that's a I think that's a good idea, and who knows? For all I know, this might be part of this. I know Mayor Adams has said, and thanks for the call, Mark, that he wants crypto education to be part of what uh, children are learning in schools. So who knows? Maybe this will be a part of what they learn as well, um, a better, you know, about nutrition in general. Paul is in New Jersey. Hello, hello there, Paul. Hey, how you doing, Frank? Uh, first of all, I love your show. Oh, thanks. Um, second of all, second of all, I'm 32 years old, so you do have a younger demographic out Excellent. there. Excellent, wonderful. Uh, I, work, I work overnight, so I'm a millennial. What what uh, line um, of work are you in, Paul? I'm in public works in a town okay. in uh, Ocean County, New Jersey. Very nice. I like Ocean County. Yeah, yeah, good, good, good place, especially in the summer. Yeah, I saw all that right, uh, so, President Trump had pardoned the. Um, former county chairman of the Republican Party that went to uh, that was convicted of a crime right before he left. How did you feel about that? To be I'm going to be honest with you, I didn't really read much about that. There you go. Um, well, I, I you know, I'm, I'm a Trump supporter. I'm a Trump supporter, voted for him twice. But uh, to be honest, I'm not up to date with that. Yeah, I'm it didn't affect your didn't affect right your now. life one way or another. No, it, re- it really didn't. OK, but, um, it didn't affect my life either. I can't even remember the guy's name right now. <laughs> I'm a first-time caller, by the way. Oh, well, we got to give you your uh, proper fanfare, and uh, I appreciate you calling in as a first-time caller. And I hope you will make this a regular habit, Paul. I I hope so, too. Uh, I plan on it. But, uh, okay, so so let's get to this. Number one, I'm a deer hunter, okay? I hunt deer, Mm. okay? Um, You know, I'm tired of people... You know, oh, the poor deer, this or that. How could you do that? How could you kill, you know, that animal? I love animals, okay? I have a dog. I'm an animal lover. But I choose to partake, okay, in in going outdoors, using dollars, okay? Look this up. Conservation dollars. Hunters give more money towards conservation than any other group. PETA, anywhere, okay? I hunt deer. I kill one deer, one arrow, and I eat it, okay? It's organic meat, and I eat it. Now, not to get all over the place here, but what I'm going to get out with the vegan thing is I have no. You're not going to make New York City school children kill their own lunch, are you, Paul? Because that's a little (laughs) that's a little extreme. (laughs) No, 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 no. Hear me out. Hear me out. I have no problem with this whatsoever. You want to be a vegan? More power to you. But don't sit here and say that vegans don't kill either, because my buddy owns a farm, and you know how he grows his crops. Anything that comes out, and this is tofu, farmers especially, and everybody, anything that comes out in the middle of the field to eat it, okay, they're going to kill it. They're going to run it over. Okay, I'm, I'm sorry to hurt people's feelings. You know, I'm not trying to be, you know, uh, too graphic here. I know there's a lot of people sensitive, especially with animals. But uh, the point I'm getting at is, you know, unfortunately animals, you know, a lot of them have to die for us to live. And that goes with being a vegan, too. You know? yeah, well, you're right about um, that, uh, Paul. And, you know, uh, a lot of folks have switched to almond milk over uh, conventional milk. And my brother, Alexander, who, who's very attuned to this stuff, he pointed out to me that the amount of water that's used to produce um, almond milk is incredibly inefficient. And there's an enormous amount of water being 
I don't want to say wasted, but consumed or used right now at, at a time when we have water shortages all over the world because of people using this almond milk instead of uh, dairy milk. So you're right. It's yeah. there's it, there's no such thing, pardon the pun, as a free lunch, is there, Paul? No. You know, that, that's this is my bottom line here. You want, They want to serve that. You know, listen, that's fine. Vegan, whatever. Maybe more vegan options. I get it. You know, uh, I'm all about people being healthier, especially children. But uh, my point is, you know, calling up is there's more to the picture than just, oh, you know, how could you hunt and kill a deer or, or how could you eat meat or, you know, I'm a vegan. I don't I don't hurt animals. Well, that's not that's not all necessarily true. You know what I mean? You don't have to necessarily pull the trigger to be, uh, you know, a culprit. Uh, fair point, so, Paul. Uh, Paul, thank uh, you for the call. Uh, thanks. thanks for calling. I hope you do it again uh, soon. Absolutely. Thanks, Again, I'm sorry about your county chairman out there going to prison or actually not going to prison because he was pardoned. Let me squeeze in one last call here and then we'll do the thousand dollar minute at uh, 800-848-WABC. Michael is in Manhattan. Hello, Michael. Hey, how are you, Frank? Michael, you were um, on already. Hey. Now, I asked Ryan, is that the same Michael that was on before? He guaranteed me. That he, he staked his reputation that you were not the same Michael, and yet I can well, tell I within can one explain. syllable that you are the same Michael. Now, again, just because Ryan's dumb, Michael, don't think I'm as dumb as Ryan is. Come on. I went to New York City public schools. I know the score. I know that Peter in Manhattan is not Stephen Manhattan. There's only one Stephen Manhattan. Isn't that right, Stephen Manhattan? That's right, Frank. And uh, the way you're talking, I was ready to call up and order like a pizza or something. Maybe they should put like a McDonald's in the cafeteria or a Burger King or something. But um, there are some schools where that's been done, by the way. No, I know that. That's not New York, thankfully, but and that's horrible. That's absolutely horrible. Right. Well, the meathead mate, uh, he met the uh, vegetable yesterday. This is just an Adams Family publicity stunt, folks, because if you start feeding kids things that they don't like, or they, they'll just beeline right to the snack bar. That's exactly what they'll do. And I guarantee you there's cans of food in those cafeterias that probably expired in 1950. And the, the liberals always come in, the hard left always come in, worried about the kids, we want to feed them right. Do you ever see what some of the parents feed these kids? You know, it's just a, a way of life now that people do not eat right, and but some people do eat right, and the kids don't get enough exercise either. Well, you're you know? right. You're right about that. But um, two things, based on what you just said, and then if you want to comment on other sure. matters, you're, you're you're certainly welcome to. Uh, oh, I, ah, I disconnected you, Steve. Sorry, um, I didn't mean to. I'm, I didn't mean to disconnect you. But it was out of habit. You want to call back? Call back. But uh, actually, knowing you, you're probably on on the board as two other callers already. So I, you don't even have to go to the trouble of calling back. But based on what you were saying, I completely disagree with what you're saying about this being a publicity stunt on the part of Eric Adams. This is something that Eric Adams believes uh, deeply in. And this is something he's very passionate about. In fact, I believe that he's much more passionate about this than any other issue, including fighting crime or crypto or taxes or uh, whatever. I think there are two issues that he is devoutly true to. One is caring uh, for and improving the education of students with dyslexia. And two is this, is I- improving the diet of, um, of, of children, but people in general, but children especially. The other thing I'll say is about why children are so fat. So much of it has to do with the government 
and I'm not trying to pass the buck on to everybody, anybody. It is true. Kids are watching too much TV. It is true. They're eating. They're eating too much. It is true. They're sitting. They're not exercising, not playing outside. They're sitting inside playing video games. That's all true. But the primary culprit in childhood obesity is high fructose corn syrup. And that's because it's in everything. Why is it in everything? Because the government is giving subsidies to all these farmers to grow corn. They're, to grow corn, 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 and corn. It's corn that tastes awful. If you were to go, there's another great documentary called King Corn, all about this. If you were to take a stork, a, a, uh, an ear of this corn that they're growing um, and, and take a bite out of it, you wouldn't be able to eat it because it tastes so terrible. It's not used to feed people. It's used for two things. Uh, feed for animals like cows and so forth. And it's used to make partially uh, uh, a high fructose corn syrup. The corn farmers in this country, in many instances, would not even be able to make a profit on the corn that they're growing if the government did not subsidize it. The government is subsidizing these farmers to make corn, and they are using it to make corn syrup, and that's why corn syrup is in everything. The government is literally shoving it down our throats. And this high fructose corn syrup is making kids and adults as fat as can be, fatter than ever. And if you look at what was in food 40 or 50 years ago, they didn't have high fructose corn syrup. Even the things that were sweet, they they had real sugar. And the thing, not that sugar is a health food, but if you ate something that was sweet, what would happen was you would generally depending on the food, obviously, you'd get full and you wouldn't keep eating. High fructose corn syrup, it's the worst of all worlds. It's um, incredibly bad for you. And the foods that it's in don't fill you up as much as something that that's that, that's that sweet does. And the government is subsidizing it. And, I, you know, I was never really that big a fan of Senator uh, Rafael Edward Cruz But one of the things that I gave him a lot of credit for is when he was running against Trump in the Iowa caucuses, the Hawkeye caucus, he really um, took, I think, a very brave stand. Even though that Iowa is filled with corn farmers that are benefiting from the subsidy, he went to Iowa and said he was opposed to subsidies for corn, for ethanol. Um, and I gave him a lot of credit for that. These with these farmers should not be subsidized by the taxpayer, and that's leading to ethanol, and it's leading to high fructose corn syrup. It's got to end. So I didn't mean to cut a, cut off Steve. If Steve wants to call back, uh, he can. Now for the rest of you that are on hold, Chris, Roger, Vic, uh, for all I know, those are three aliases of Steve from Manhattan. You can um, you can hold, and I will get to you. But for everybody else that wants an opportunity to win $1,000, call now. Be the seventh caller to 1-800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-9222. And if you're the seventh caller, you will get an opportunity to play the $1,000 minute. If you can answer 10 trivia questions in 60 seconds, you will be the lucky recipient of $1,000. Now, for the rest of you, you know that that's not that big of a deal. Because the dollar has lost a ton of value. 
due to inflation. Inflation is killing the dollar. You worked your whole life away. You squirrel away some savings in your retirement account, whatever other savings accounts, in uh, whatever other accounts that you might be squirreling money away in, only to find what? You can't buy anything with it because of inflation. The dollar is worth less. The dollar is worth is declining in value. Inflation is the worst that it's been in 40 years. What can you do about it? Inflation's going to get worse. What can you do about it? Gold. Gold, silver, and precious metals. So be proactive before you regret it and take steps now to protect yourself. Call Legacy Precious Metals. They can advise you on all of your options, whether that's rolling your existing retirement account into a gold IRA or whether that's holding physical metals directly in your home. Speak to an IRA expert at Legacy Precious Metals at 866-932-0635. That's 866-932-0635. Or you can download their free investor's guide at LegacyPMInvestments.com. That's LegacyPMInvestments.com. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. Straight ahead. WABC. The Other Side of Midnight presents It's the $1,000 Minute Answer 10 questions correctly in one minute And you could win $1,000 Here's your host, Frank Morano Thank you Now, I'm going to get in trouble here Because I was warned after two people won this contest To make the questions more difficult Right, I was warned by uh, Boss Hogg, our program director, Matt Meany. And I tried these questions on my wife last night, and she got nine of them, nine of them correct. So I'm worried that these questions are too easy. But the person that that might work to the benefit of is Mark in Rochelle Park. Hello, Mark. Hey, Frank. How are you? Well, uh, I'd say I'm about an eight out of ten. Eight out of ten, that's a pretty good day on a rainy day here. Exactly. I think your wife's pretty smart then, probably. She I is smart. Up today. She is smart, but, um, uh, you know, obviously not uh, not smart enough to avoid marrying me. All right. Are you ready to go, Mark? Let's do it, Frank. All right, great. Um, and now we'll begin the timer after I ask the first question. And I'm gonna, if you get a question right, I'm just going to move on to the next one so that we can get through them all quickly, okay? You got it. All right. What is a male child called? Boy. What TV program featured seven stranded castaways on a desert island? Gilligan's Island. Blizzard Beach and Typhoon Lagoon are water parks located at which Orlando, Florida resort? Disney World. What former New York City mayor has a son who's currently a candidate for New York governor? Rudy Giuliani. What Super Bowl winning quarterback announced his retirement this week? Tom the Goat Brady. What branch of the military did both Greg Kelly and Bernard McGurk serve in? The Marines. Who wrote The Great Gatsby? F. Scott Fitzgerald. Adjusted for inflation, what is the highest grossing film of all time? Good question. Uh... E.T. Ah. 
I am sorry. Uh, the correct answer is Gone with the Wind. Gone with oh. the Wind. Uh, I wasn't going to guess that, so I don't feel so bad. You was you were not going to guess that? No, I, I wouldn't have went with, I would have done go Godfather, but I went with E.T. instead. Well, a, a, a valiant effort, though, Mark. Well done. Thank well you. done. Uh, all right, I'm going to put you on hold with uh, with Ryan, and uh, Ryan uh, can be talked into anything. Apparently, he can be talked into putting callers on multiple times in a show. He can be talked into uh, allowing Peter to pass himself off as Steve. Talk, be talked into anything. So chances are, if you're nice to him, Mark, and if you give him your address and your contact information, uh, that he will give you something really, really very nice. Now, for the rest of you, not in a position to talk to Ryan. You can go on to the website, wabcradiostore.com. That's wabcradiostore.com. And there's a lot of great stuff that you can buy. Uh, WABC merchandise. There's water bottles. There's a WABC apron. There's a beautiful, and I would love this, and I'm going to actually order one of these, a WABC fleece bomber jacket. And really neat stuff here um we've never had stuff like this i gotta tell you this is textbook john katsimatidi's regime to have stuff like this now they do let you search there's a magnifying glass at the top of the website and you can type in my name morano or you could type in other side of midnight and all sorts of cool stuff comes up embroidered with my name and my logo um you got backpacks sweatshirts t-shirts a beautiful fleece blanket, a water bottle, travel mug, a beer stein, so you can actually have Frank and Stein, a short sleeve T-shirt, all sorts of great stuff. And um, you, if you're a fan of this show, I'm imagining you're going to want some of this stuff. And I don't even have all this stuff. But if you can, if you want to order it, just go to wabcradiostore.com and type in my name, Morano. There's cool merchandise for all the shows, and we're adding more all the time. So we've. Uh, been brainstorming some ideas for really neat merchandise, and we're going to be adding stuff to this. But what's on there now, it's two pages worth of great stuff. Whatever you end up ordering, you can use the discount code FRANK15. That is FRANK and then one uh, five FRANK15, and you'll get a 15% discount on, uh, on anything you order. So there you have it. Uh, all right, if you want to comment on anything we've covered today, 800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-9222. Chris in Nassau County has been patiently holding. Hello, Chris. Hey, Frank. How you doing? I, uh, you know, look, I'm never never the best judge, but I'd say I'm doing pretty well. So am I. You're still breathing, so I guess you're doing good. Exactly. That's Uh, the spirit. First time calling. Uh, Yeah, I I took the uh, melatonin years ago. It's it's not good because what happens is you you only need very little, you know, to to go to sleep, and you're taking like ten times that that, you know that that your body needs. So what I've been taking for the last couple of years now it's called magnesium glycinate. Uh, I did I did a little research on it, and men can take two two tablets a day. Uh, The company's name is Kale, but anyway, I, I take about one before I go to bed, about an hour and a half before I go to bed every night. And it works great. It calms down anxiety, uh, sleep. Diabetes. It's good for diabetes because magnesium is a very important uh, mineral your body needs. But the glycinate, is, it's very relaxing for you. If you look it up, it's very healthy for you. 
And just as long as you don't have no kidney problems, it's it's very very good. Well, what, let's say let's say you do have a kidney. Not that I have a kidney problem, but uh, and again, I want to encourage people to do their own research, talk to their own doctor about right, exactly. the best supplements for them. Exactly. But what if you do have a kidney problem? You should avoid that. I, that's right. I think it's the you know, side effects of that. If you had kidney problems, you shouldn't take it. But okay. if, you, if, you, if you have no problems with that, it's, it's, it'll work for you. It takes time. It'll make you sleep good. It'll calm your anxiety down. It's good for your diabetes and stuff. It's, it's really, it's, it, if everybody does their research, you'll see it's, it's, better than, it's way better than melatonin. Uh, and, and it's and, called and, a magnesium glycinate. That's correct. All right. Well, that's, that's, good. that's good to thank you, Chris. And, hold on, Frank. I got a couple of things I want to talk to you about, sure. just real quickly. Okay. I go to Caesars. I'm an Atlantic City guy like you. I love Caesars and stuff. Great, me too. And if you if you like seafood, Frank, a good buffet they have out in Rhode Island, about an hour from uh, Mohegan Sun. It's called uh, Nordic Lounge. Or you can eat lobsters, or shrimps. Oh my, it, it's a, it's probably the best in the country. You kidding? It's, really? It's like a, really? Oh, yeah. You know, it's Nordic funny. Lounge. I don't know if you remember uh, since you go to Atlantic City. Uh, up until they closed for the first time, the best thing. About the Showboat Casino Hotel. Now it's not a casino. It's just a hotel. They don't offer this anymore. But the best thing about the Showboat Hotel was they had this incredible buffet. And I think one day a week, maybe even two days a week, they would offer king crab legs as part of the buffet. This buffet was out of this world. Did you ever go to that buffet at the Showboat? Many years ago, Frank. But this buffet I'm talking about, it's all-you-can-eat Maine lobster. What's the name of it again? Uh, tell me. Tell me it again. The Nordic Lounge. The Nordic the Nord- Lounge. And it's in Rhode Island? Yeah, Charleston, Rhode Island. It's been there for years. It's, it's, if you look it up on YouTube, you'll see it. It's, it's, I think it's $125 now, but it's all you can oh, eat, Maine wow. lobsters, shrimp, filet mignon. It's, it's probably the best buffet. In fact, one guy that does reviews, this oriental gentleman, he says it's the best buffet in the country, and I believe it. Because I, I used to go to the Valley Stirring Brunch Buffet in Las Vegas, which is very good, too. Uh, but they closed down because of the pandemic. But this buffet is the best. If you want, if, you, if anybody likes seafood out there, trust me, go out. It, it's probably like an, I, I usually stay at Mohegan Sun and I drive over there. You know, uh, that's, it's probably like an hour, hour and change from Mohegan Sun down ninety five. But it's really, really good. Wow. Okay. Well, best. that, that sounds uh, it sounds really good. I've never been to Rhode Island. Thanks, Chris. I, I've always been intrigued by Rhode Island. I've heard nothing but great things about Rhode Island. My friend uh, Bill. Bill Samuels lives in Rhode Island now, and uh, he's been urging me to visit him. And they always they do a lot of interesting things in Rhode Island politically, whereas in most states in the country, the independents and third party candidates don't do very well. Uh, the the in Rhode Island, the independents do very well. But uh, I like Rhode Island uh, politically and I like some other things that they that they have done. I, I prematurely cut off Steve from Manhattan, and uh, that is a cardinal sin in the uh, talk radio community. Steve, I didn't mean to uh, abridge your commentary. Right, but you could have got away with it if you didn't say you could comment on what you were going to say. I think Ryan should get a pay raise for what he does there because that is great talk radio when you let callers get in. Sometimes pranks are funny. I mean, the, the host doesn't like it because the host – you know, it's got a big ego. You can't be doing that. But I think it's really funny. And getting back to the food, um, first of all, not everybody, but a good portion of America is on a high salt, high sugar, high carb diet. And that's where you could really put the weight on 
very unhealthy for you, especially if you're not exercising, you're not burning it off. And a lot of these kids today are not eating right. Most of it has to do with their parents, what they're feeding them. Sometimes both parents have to work. They're always ordering out. And a lot of the food you get is especially from diners or restaurants. I mean, they lace it up with a lot of fat, a lot of salt and sugar to get you to eat the food and make it taste better. Now, as far as Adams is concerned, it's just like Michelle Obama. She wanted all the kids to eat vegetables. It's, this is just a gimmick, folks, to divert the attention. This city in New York has to be fighting crime and have to be, you know, really getting the city back in order that way or everybody's going to leave. But I, but I know Adams is not going to do it because Adams endorsed this guy, Bragg, who's the DA in Manhattan. Well, look, he, he didn't endorse him in the primary. Uh, basically, the extent of his his support, and he never used the word endorse, but the the if you win a Democratic primary in Manhattan, that is the election. So after Bragg had already won the election, Adams basically said, had won the primary, he basically said, oh, I think we'll work well together. But he didn't endorse him in that Democratic primary. Right. Bragg, if folks don't know, he was he was campaigning on legalizing armed robbery. Okay? Yeah, well, look, he's uh, gonna, of Bragg, course he's going to work good with him because they're both left-wingers. Well, well thank you, Steve. Uh, you know, the thing with Bragg is Bragg can't decide what he wants to be, either fish or foul. In, Larry, uh, in Philadelphia, Larry Krasner. In L.A., Kiesa Bodine. These guys are unabashed... Um, people that want to not prosecute anyone. And they want to be known for that. Bragg does not. I mean, if you look at how he's reacting to that memo that he put out and the media coverage of that memo, he's not embracing it as a Krasner would or a Boudin would. He's running away from it, right? Now, he's really in a tough spot here because the George Soros group, I think it's called Color of Change or Partnership for Change or something along those lines, they spent a million dollars to get him elected. A million dollars in one county race. Now, he can't really go back on what the George Soros group expects of him. And Giuliani has covered this well. Bill Bratton on the Cats Roundtable, he's covered it well. Um, and, and John himself has covered it well. He owes his election, at least in part, to substantial fundraising and organizing from George Soros. So how does he now say, oh, sorry, George Soros, you trusted me. I'm actually going to try and put people in jail now. So he's in a very tough spot. He doesn't want to be known as a Krasner, but he also can't really turn his back on George Soros, who's his sort of benefactor. Uh, Roger's been waiting the whole show to comment on things. So before we get to 15 seconds of fame, let me go to him. Hello, Roger. You know, I hope there's not some kind of problem or anything, but... Um... Uh, regarding a few things, well, I, well I'll, I'll scrap the ask Frank anything. So a, a, a few things that you covered in the last uh, two hours. Uh, number one, include Susan Sarandon in your denunciations next uh, week because you know what she's done, what she did. Yes. Just like that actress. Okay. Uh, regarding um, that spokesperson for the State Department, I'd like to see someone, someone just directly ask them why – uh, the State Department actively hindered the civilian rescuing of, of the Afghanis ref, uh, that were left behind, um, and probably still is. Why, why does the State Department actively hinder the efforts of rescuing uh, the, the, our allies uh, in Afghanistan after that disaster? 
And the third thing I'll touch on is the, the, the brought up the issue briefly a little a few minutes ago, um, half an hour ago, about a subject from earlier in the week, which is the driving and the car accidents and everything. And I thought about it. And I noticed that once the, the, the shutdown happened in the spring of 2020, the roads were sparsely populated with vehicles. Yeah. And racing hey, was uh, going on. People, Roger, I got to run. I'm sorry. Uh, we have to break here, and we're going to do 15 seconds of fame next. 800-848-9222 if you want to participate. The, uh, 800-848-WABC, three open lines. You'll have 15 seconds to comment on anything you like. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano, 77 WABC. Thank you, Andy B. Uh, by the way, speaking of UFOs, we have a fascinating UFO segment coming your way on Monday. Uh, the author, Tim Waltz, is going to be here, and uh, he has written something pretty explosive, and he has some evidence, apparently, that he's willing to share with us, unlike the folks at the State Department, that shows that the United States and extraterrestrials may actually be working together already. I don't want to spoil it. It's an interesting story. He's going to join me 2.30 on Monday. And, um, by the way, the WABC Early News with the great Deb Valentine is coming up next. Bernie and Sid coming up from 6 until 10. But for now, it is your opportunity to be heard for 15 seconds. The other side of midnight. This is 15 seconds of fame. Jim is in Manhattan. Hello, Jim. Read Green Eggs and Ham by Dr. Seuss. Read Green Eggs and Ham by Dr. Seuss. Janine Pirro put an innocent man in the electric chair. Read Green Eggs and Ham by Dr. Seuss. John is in Yonkers. Read The Janine Machine by Richard Blasberg and Twisted Justice at CNN.com. Janine Machine by Richard Blasberg and Twisted Justice at CNN.com. Janine Pirro is a criminal for order to send an engineer to cop to prison. Neil on Staten Island. That's the guy you should be in an auto with, Frank. <laughs> when I saw Adams with Biden today, he says, May, New York City Mayor Eric Adams reporting for duty. At that time, I realized what an idiot he really is. Russ in White Plains. It wounded my soul to watch Whoopi Goldberg, a proud black woman, kowtow to that schlub from the ADL. I yearn for her to paraphrase Donald Trump and yell from the rooftops, Where's my Stokely Carmichael? Terry in Rockland County. Hi. Criticism and insults are like stones thrown at an apple tree to bring the best apples down. Frankie in Glendale. Mayor Adams, make the city safe and clean, including the subways and the people shall return. You know that's the truth. That's what you have to do. And Tom in Stanhope. Yes, I'm going to promote a book, Destinations Change, by Samuel Dillfillin. Available on Amazon. Friend of mine started the book. It's a great ride. You got to read it. 
If it's anything like his life, it's worth reading. Real, real good. Thank Got you. It. Thank you, Tom. All right, that slams the lid on things for today. I'm going to be back on Sunday at 8 a.m. with John Katz and Matitis on the Katz Roundtable. The WABC Early News is next. Frank Morano, good day.